Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network. My name is Jake. I am the executive producer of this fine program, filling in on this first segment for a couple of minutes for David and Patrick. They'll be along here shortly to talk all things basketball. But let's start off this morning with the BYU football program. Some of you listening into this program, if you're up as early as I am, you're running on very short sleep. But nonetheless, BYU prevails in overtime, downing the Pepperdine Waves 82-77. to And let's be honest, if you're going to lead for 12 seconds of regulation, it might as well be the final 12 seconds of regulation, give or take a tenth or two. As BYU took the lead late, Colby Ross hit a shot with no time remaining to push the game to overtime where BYU ended up rolling to the victory. 82 to 77. Now the Cougars have their biggest task in front of them as they face off for a third time against number one ranked Gonzaga. That will be at the Orleans Arena tonight in Las Vegas, seven o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN. A massive platform and just a massive massive hill to climb if you're the BYU basketball program. I saw on social media last night that Gonzaga, after their win over St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference semifinals on their side of the bracket, it marks the 22nd straight game that they have won by double digits. It matches a mark put together by John Wooden's legendary UCLA teams in 1969. That should show you how dominant a run that Gonzaga is having this season. I know there are a lot of people who are naysayers because the West Coast Conference isn't necessarily as stout as some of the P6 conferences and college hoops, but we're seeing a dominant dominant program uh, speaking of the Gonzaga Bulldogs and BYU will have their work cut out for them if they want to spring an upset but nonetheless BYU will be in action tonight in the West Coast Conference tournament final once again tip off in that game set for seven o'clock mountain time there in Las Vegas and looking forward to seeing how the Cougars look as they square off against the Bulldogs for a third time this season all right coming up here in just a moment after the break we're going to catch up with David Locke DJMP had a chance to speak with him Late last week, of course, we've hit pause on the NBA season with the All-Star break here. David had some great big-picture thoughts on what the Jazz are doing. We'll get to that conversation a little bit later on in this hour. You'll hear from University of Utah men's basketball coach Larry Koskoviak. He joined DJ and PK yesterday, had some great thoughts on the Utahs. They get ready for the Pac-12 tournament. That's all coming up here next on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK and I had a chance to talk with David Locke here on the All-Star break. Get his thoughts on the Jazz and the NBA. Here's David with PKNI. But yet we find out in terms of respect, winning isn't where it's at. What more could they do to get that respect? I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, it's kind of the most disappointing part of this, right? Like, and I don't, and I, and I'm, I, I'll admit, like, I'm a bit concerned of what they must be thinking, right? Like, they must be thinking, like, what else do I have to do? Like, and, and, the, and the idea that Donovan 
I mean, you know, hey, was it conscious? Did it just happen? Was it just funny? I mean, who knows, right? I, I, I don't know what your guys' vibe on that is. Do you think that LeBron and Durant decided that these little pipsqueaks are, you know, moving into our territory and we'll they better, them. you know, shut up because it's going to be the Lakers versus Brooklyn and that's the way the world's supposed to be and we're not interested in having these guys, you know, claim that they're not getting the appropriate respect or getting the appropriate calls and trying to disrupt our system because this is what, you know, you know, we're, we're not interested in, in the third-party candidate, um, and they're the third-party candidate, so we're going to put them in our place. Like, was it a conscious effort last night? And that was their little humor amongst themselves, like you have when, you know, when you're, like, eighth-grade boys playing around and leaving someone out? Like, I don't know. Um, that's I guess that's up for, for everyone to just try to decide on themselves, or did it just kind of happen the way the draft goes? Like, Rudy's not that surprising. He's not, per se the way you would want an all-star, you know, he doesn't, it's not an all-star player, like all-star game player. He actually just wins. So, I mean, but it is, it's disappointing. Like these guys have got it. Like they're not in a great mental state after the way they reacted on to the Philadelphia game. And then to have this be the next day, like, and the problem to me is that it's not about anything they've done to your point, PK. It's all about where they play and where we live and what our market is. And that's everything Ryan's trying to overturn. Thank goodness he is trying because it's clear that that's, you know, uh, still a pretty prevalent issue, both in the heads of the jazz players, but also in the heads of every other player in the league. So I think it was pre-planned. I think they knew what they were doing and they have their reasons for doing it. And, I think they did it mostly to entertain themselves because I think whether they do it or not, LeBron's, LeBron's planning on winning the NBA title. I mean, in that moment, the two of them can you know gang up on two jazz players who went off, and I expect will you know be fine for it. Um, but that's how LeBron's going to look at KD in a final. I mean, that's how he's going to look at everybody when the time comes. Right. It just happens he's focused on the jazz right now, but that's literally how he looks at everybody in the league. And that's how he looks at his teammates the day the, before they become his teammates and the day after they're no longer his teammates. Because you don't get to where LeBron is if you don't look at other players that way. So I don't so think there so was any your, accident was guys, about it. What was your guys' take on this? What was your, like, I mean, I also wasn't watching. It's not something that was high on my list of, like, oh, I'm stopping my day to go watch it. So you hear about it afterwards, which means that I didn't get that, like, real-time reaction, like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? Um, and that's the one that actually, like, in my, like, wonder how Donovan and Rudy are feeling, because that's got to be the real time. Um, It depends on whether they think that this was totally legit and they literally think they're the two worst players at the All-Star game, which I don't think they think. I think having already been to an All-Star game, they've already shown that. They're not the replacement guys who are added in. Uh, So if they sit back and think, hey, LeBron's trying to play head games with us getting ready for the playoffs, I think they'll take it differently than if they think, oh, this was serious and it was all planned, you know, this is actually how good we are. No, I think LeBron's playing head games before the playoffs. Why wouldn't yeah. you? If you can, why wouldn't you? You yeah, don't really need a, to because you're LeBron. Taking it as a compliment that, uh, that he actually might be a little concerned? Um, that would be one way you could. You could also take it as... This guy's trying to bear us on TV. Bleep this guy. <laughs> Save it. Save it. Jordan, we know from watching the documentary, Jordan would have saved that for a playoff series. Or maybe for that two-game set they're going to have in April in L.A. Save it for that. 
LeBron's and, going to and, try to sweep it if they're healthy. He's and in- do you need, like, is that something that you need? Like, like, I guess that's the one question I would have, like, is do you, should you have to have that motivation for games like that? Is it really going to make a difference? I guess, you know, I was thinking about what you said there and seeing if PK wanted to jump in. You want to jump in, PK? I, I don't have an immediate answer that came to my head to where I could just say, I'm going to go down this road, I'm going to go down that road. And, and, and when I first heard about it, you know, I didn't put much stock into it. But then it's because I, I wasn't watching it live either. But then when I hear well, I want height and I pick Sabonis, who's obviously tall, but if I want height then I'm going to pick Gobert. Was that an intentional slap in the face? I, I, I normally wouldn't think so, but I'm going down the road of yes. But the good thing, and Locke, you and I have had these discussions about how you know Hayward might have talk, thought, well, I'm never going to be able to achieve what I want. Now, you, you know these guys better than I do because I don't know them at all, actually. I just know them as ball players. But it seems to me that these two in particular – are going to use that to the benefit of the Jazz, not the detriment, which matters the most. Yeah, I would hope so. I, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to be the play-by-play announcer. Is just a total Pollyanna here, and like, and just says, "Oh, everything's great," and they'll use his motivation, and it's perfect. I just, I don't. And I apologize for that. If that's what people want out of me, it's not really what I've ever done in my 30 years of my career. So if you're expecting it today, you're probably chosen the wrong day. Um, but it doesn't feel great. Like they've done everything right. Like Donovan can't be a better person. Rudy can't be a better story in our minds. And yet they're still dealing with all this crap. It just feels really. Yeah, but maybe, feel good. maybe they're like, dealing, and, but maybe they're dealing with this crap because they're finally a threat. They didn't yeah, do it mean, last yeah. year. It would have been better to do this last year if you're just going purely on basketball value. They hadn't been in an all-star game before, but they were battling for the four, five, six spot, and they eventually ended up six, partly because they wanted to, and they weren't a threat. Now they're number one, and they think they're number one? Yeah, it might be dangerous. I mean, you're LeBron. You're thinking, well, if I have yeah. a whole team, that's the most important thing, and he'd probably be right about that. The second thing is, hey, I don't need any young guys coming for the crown. Let's knock them down a peg. And if that if it doesn't feel good and that gets in the Jazz's head, then LeBron's won. Um, right. Yeah. No, that's right, right. And if that's that's the there's the two approaches of how you're gonna look at this is that they consciously saw the Jazz as a threat and so that they decided to use their power when they could to minimize them and make them feel, you know, little. Um, and the other is that, you know, we're just going to pick on Utah because that's what we do. Because Utah's, you know, Utah's that kid, and that kid gets picked on every day at school. Yeah, rather than worrying about what LeBron and Durant are thinking or doing, I'm more concerned about what the Jazz players are thinking and doing. And unlike Hayward, who may have felt slighted, he had the free agency coming up. These guys don't. Gobert took it away by agreeing, and obviously with the restricted free agency, the Jazz have the opportunity to re-sign Mitchell. So these guys know that they're here for the next few years. So there's not that concern about, well, does he feel slighted enough to where he needs to run off to a bigger market, a la Hayward to Boston. That can't happen. So the good thing is that these guys – 
can make positives out of it, and we as a fan base don't have to worry about, well, they want out. Because they're not, they don't want out, and they can't go anywhere. And then with Ryan Smith aboard, it seems like from appearances on the outside, because I'm not on the inside, that he's going to do whatever he can. So this can be something that can work to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, I mean, I think maybe the frustration is that they've done so much well, and they're still dealing with this, right? Like they're really great. The franchise has been built well. There's been, um, you know, they've built a great team. They're playing the right way. They have a desirable head coach. They they have two young stars that are great teammates. I mean, everything's good, and yet you're still, why can't you just have it be good? Um, and the last, you know, 48 hours have been, you know, a pretty interesting frustration by these guys that was a lot more than about that night, the way I heard those quotes. That wasn't like that they had talked about it for five minutes before they went on. They you know, they, they clearly feel as though um you know, that they're that they're rolling that this is an ongoing issue that they don't get the respect they deserve and then this gets added on. Yeah, I get that part of it. And I'd be more concerned about Philly and the and the refereeing because if you think um, if you think that in any close game you're going to have to wear, I don't know what it is, two, three, four, five bad calls, and you got to overcome those, you're thinking, we got to beat everybody by 10? Because deep down you might be thinking, well, we could beat everybody, but we can't beat everybody by 10 four times. And that, I understand how that would get in their head. So if that is the problem, I kind of get it. Uh, but I think if you sit back and look at it and say, hey, LeBron didn't do this last year. Why is he doing it to you this year? You know, yeah, I think that's an interesting so, perspective. So I think I haven't talked about this with anyone yet. Like, so this is interesting to me because I, um, you know, it just happened and it, it yeah. And I kind of with PK, like, where my first reaction was like, who freaking cares? And then as the night went on, I was like, eh, gosh, maybe it does, like maybe I do care a little bit. Like, I, and I, then I, and and then I started to try to put myself in Donovan and Rudy's shoes using the Stephen Covey you know, seven habits of highly effective people view it from someone else's lenses. And it'd be really crappy to be sitting there last night, you know, excited to see where you go. And then you become the brunt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Like that sucks. What would Jordan do? Did you not, did America or at least the sports viewing portion of America just sit and watch a 10 part documentary? Cause there was nothing else on. We all watched it. What would he do? We know the answer to that. Yeah. And that's true. But like, we got two young guys that, are still trying to establish themselves in the league and being second time all-stars and going to the all-star game as the number one team in the league. This was like, I think a really big, you know, last year was like, Oh my gosh, we're here coming, coming of the experience. And, and this year I thought was really interesting that like it was never discussed for one minute, like whether or not they're all-stars, they're just established as perennial all-stars. They're the number one team in the league. Like I thought, you know, this could have, wasn't going to be like a coming out party, but they could have, and maybe this is your point, DJ, is that they had a chance to walk into Atlanta with a little strut, and maybe LeBron and Durant were like, we're not going to have that. Like, we're not going to have somebody else come in here with a little strut. This is still CP3, Durant, LeBron show, and this is how this is going to work. And so maybe that's what it was all about. And that the, but, but clearly they don't get to have that experience the way I think in whether they ever openly thought it or in their heart of hearts that they were hoping to have, which is, hey, I'm here for the second straight year, and now, now I belong. 
All right. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. If that's their line of thinking, I can understand that. But the reason why I view what happened in Philadelphia as a positive, a short-term negative, no question, but I appreciate the way that they both, and Rudy wasn't even supposed to speak, and he came out and said what he said, and we know what Donovan said, so be it. I support their right to say whatever. Fine them. I don't really care about that. They got the money to – it's not going to make a dent in their financial world. But the positive is that when we get to the postseason, everything is heightened. And because of what happened in Philadelphia and because of what they said afterward, to me – they are going to get a much fairer shake when it gets to the postseason because the league cannot allow that to happen to a small market team. So the league is going to protect itself because its integrity is at stake. And even though the world, I agree with you, wants LeBron and Durant and New York City, Brooklyn versus Los Angeles, I completely agree. The league can't afford to have that anointed. It has to, if it plays out, so be it. So I view what happened in Philly when it gets to the postseason as to the Jazz's benefit in terms of getting as much of a fair shake as you can get. What you really need right now, David, is you need someone like Mark Cuban, who's been around now, and I know he's a wild guy when he came in, but I think he's viewed a little differently now, to say to the league, yeah, I get the TV contract is coming up, and yes, we will negotiate off the ratings, but we got such a good thing going now, we've got way more to risk by having this perception out there than we have to gain by actually getting the Lakers versus the Nets. If the Lakers versus the Nets earn it, so be it. But there can't be any hint of us messing around. The NBA is not where it was in 1985. If indeed the NBA was messing around then, well, you know, the games are on tape delay in the early 80s and the finals. We know all those stories, right? Right now, the league is really successful internationally, and it looks like the arrow is still pointed up. So someone like Cuban needs to say, there can't be any hint any hint, we have way more to lose than we have to gain. And if there's one thing owners understand, it's money. They ought to understand that. And I think the thing that jazz players have to understand is this is going to be a lot harder. Yes, you've got good people doing things the right way, and that's not enough. You need it, but you need more than that. You need an edge. You're taking something that other people want. You're taking something other people have devoted their whole lives to getting, and they are wildly talented, too. You think LeBron doesn't want a fifth title? It matches magic. He's in L.A. You bleep and bet he wants that fifth title. You think he wants a sixth title to match Jordan? You think he wants a three-peat because he doesn't have one and Jordan does? You think he doesn't want to be the GOAT? Yeah, he does. Absolutely. you got to take that from him. He's giving you nothing. And so they got to be prepared for that. That's a high bar. Yesterday, um, PK jumped me because I just dismissed the chance that the Jazz would play the Sixers in the finals. And I dismiss it because there's two teams who've never been to a conference final. I get individual guys have, you know, Conley has. But as a group, these teams have not been to a, a conference final. And you're asking them to, to win there and then get to the finals and look who they have to get. You think Durant doesn't want a title? Durant was happy-go-lucky when he came into the league, but he's been beaten down. He's been disappointed. He thinks ownership has let him down. When he went to the Warriors and said, I'll give stuff up because I just want to win a title, he got criticized for it. He wants a title so badly right now. He couldn't even smile halfway through that All-Star game because he's thinking about how bad he wants a title. You're going to have to take it from him, and you're going to have to take it from LeBron, and that's going to be so hard. And the Jazz and the Sixers kind of know it, 
but they don't completely know it. And they're going to have to figure it out on the fly, and that's going to be hard, and they might do it. But don't underestimate how hard this is going to be. Don't underestimate what you're trying to take away from these guys. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> Every once in a while. Now? I mean, that was that was you at your best right there. I got nothing to say. I just think we should put that on tape and replay it. That was All right. Well, I mean, play it, play it for play it for Donovan and uh, Rudy, and play it for Joe. That's what they were up against. That is what they're up against. And PK, this is where PK's right to dismiss what I say because I know it because I've watched it for decades, and I was watching it in games, and I've kind of learned it over time watching all these generations of players. But these guys are in their twenties and thirties, and PK was like, "Don't go off on these guys in a podium. They're they're twenty four or twenty eight. How can they know? You know and I watched this with Magic and Bird because I'm old enough to remember that. And I watched it with uh, Bird and Isaiah Thomas and then with Magic and Isaiah and then with the, uh, you know, the whole Jordan rules thing. They weren't gonna, Jordan had to take it. They weren't going to let him have it. They wanted a three-peat real bad, and he took it. And, and Donovan wasn't alive. How, Donovan wasn't alive. You know, you could see in his tweets when he watched that documentary, he was, he was soaking it all in. But it's not the same. You saw it and I saw it. It's different. All right. You know, PK, you know when like yeah. the veteran player goes back into like their bag of tricks and yeah. like they're yeah. 36 but they yeah, drop yeah, yeah. 50 still. Sure. Like yeah, they still have it. Yeah. We just witnessed that <laughs> in person. I'm Chris Paul and I found Booker. But man, I like, had to grab a couple people out by the jersey I'm and lying down to get right out now. of the way. <laughs> I mean, that that was can I? That was strong right there. I tell you what, I think you got a future in this business. <laughs> okay, well we'll see how it works out. Okay. All right, David, thanks for coming on. Bye. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. There's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. They're back at it Friday night. The Utes play tomorrow night against Washington. Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We are joined now by Utah basketball coach, Larry Kristoviak, the Utes wrapping up the regular season. They are headed off to the Pac-12 tournament. They got a blowout win over Arizona State, and they will face Washington in the first round of the tournament. Larry joins us now. Larry, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. So I'm curious. uh, There are so many things to ask you, and you know the history of Utah basketball. You're a big part of it now about a decade under your belt up there and you, you played for the Jazz and coached in this part of the country. And I'm curious, obviously the last three years have been hard. They've probably been hard on you and all that and you're trying to change things. What's the what are one or two things you're trying to change about the program to get them back to you know, where you were with DeLon Wright in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, this is an interesting time for us. We're not 
we're not thinking long-term here right now. We're trying to get to the Pac-12 tournament and figure out a way to beat Washington. Um, that's where all of our focus is, and, and we're trying to play forward rather than, uh, you know, taking a look back. So, um, you know, maybe end of the season I'd be better equipped to answer that type of question. But um, I think more importantly is is staying present. We've, uh, we've played with everybody. We've had nice leads against everybody in our conference, one through 11. Uh, and now we need to bottle it up at a special time of year when everybody heads down to Vegas and see if we can play some consistent basketball and win some games. And then obviously off season, we jump into recruiting and player development. But um, right now we're, we're ready to grind. Larry, you hit the very word that I was going to use, consistent. It's hard for me to give complete and total evaluations for any team this year with COVID being as strange as it was and the in-and-out nature of the season. But nevertheless, games were played, scores were kept, and as I watch your games, really moments and extended moments of brilliance, as you've said. How do you channel that to find that consistency? Because it's clear that the talent is there and stretches to be very good. Yeah, you know, and it's, um, I don't want to talk about, it's not a youth thing, um, but at times that's a part of it. You know, having having some freshmen on the floor that need to be solid. Uh, I just watched, you know, I watched our game at Washington, uh, we had a 12-point lead with four minutes to go in the first half, sharing the ball, making great plays. And it really comes down, you know, and I think this time of year I shared it with our guys in pregame on Saturday. Um, sometimes everybody wants to analyze and, and coaches and players and want like one big answer of how do we find more consistency and as I look back on all of these previous games where we lose leads or where you build a 10-point lead, there's always a correlation in that. And it's, it's a matter of doing the proverbial little things more often and consistently than the other team. You know, obviously you have to knock down a shot. You have to make your free throws. But you have to block out on possessions. Back to the Washington point, we had a 12-point lead. And we have three straight possessions um, where we missed good shots, open shots, a couple of layups, actually. And then when you make a decision to jog back on defense because you're carrying some of the offensive frustration with the inability to make that layup, and then they whap down three threes, you know, in the last four minutes heading into – that's not rocket science. That's just mm-hmm. let's stick with – uh, doing all those little things. It starts with the effort to get back and communicate and be in a stance. And really, that's how most of these games go. If you can find that consistency, regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, to make the right play, make the game the play that the game presents to you. We've had turnover issues at times, and I think those are uh, from trying to hit home runs when we should probably just be advancing runners and hitting singles and um, so it's not a mystery to our team. It really isn't because we've, we've had enough sample size. We've had enough data, a lot of the ups and downs. And if there's ever a time to put it together, it's right now. And I think the consistency comes in just being steady and consistent with the approach of the next possession. And that's going to give us a chance to advance and maybe win some games. And that's probably the big key. And when you talk about win some games, does this feel like a good draw for you because you did split with both these teams and you've beaten them both? 
Well, I think you always have to be careful about that. I mean, that's a fair question. Um, you know, certainly, uh, if you look at history, we've struggled with Oregon. We've hit Oregon in the tournament when they seem to be clicking on all cylinders. So knowing that, that they're not in the first couple games, I mean, but you have to be careful what you wish for. Um, there's always going to be some teams that put it together at the right time. I think we've got a half a dozen or seven teams that are heading into this Pac-12 tournament that understand the only way they're going to the NCAA tournament is by winning this thing. So, you know, you're going to have different levels of inspiration. You've probably got four or five teams that would just as soon have Selection Sunday here so that they don't have to go to Vegas and be in a bubble and risk getting COVID and potentially screwing up their NCAA tournament. So I think it's unlike any other year, there's a lot of moving factors. And, and uh, again, I, you know, not coach speak, but we just got to, we got to see who it is. We're playing next, uh, do a little bit of prep work for USC. Should we beat Washington and take this baby one step at a time? And then if you're going to get lucky and have a few bounces go your way, hopefully we've earned them, you know, by, by approaching it the right way. And, we have an opportunity to get as hot as anybody else does in this league right now, and we're confident that we can do that. I've heard coaches say, as far as youth, it's not what you want. Majerus used to say that uh, freshmen were just uh, four years removed from being in the eighth grade. He'd try to put it in perspective <laughs> there when I was covering him working for the newspaper. And I've heard coaches say, you want to get old and you want to stay old. Dave Rose talked about what he called the program players. That wasn't the top-level stars, but they were the role guys who knew exactly what you needed them to do, and then they can execute it. And my thought for you, that's been a little bit of a problem because guys like uh, Gotch and others, when you're getting them in the position where they can really contribute maybe a little bit better than what their talent level is because of their knowledge and experience, they take off. How difficult is it for you and everybody else really in college basketball, because it's not particular to you, but to re-recruit your guys basically so they stay so you can get old? Yeah, I mean, you, that you you uh, you hit it on the head. You know, I I uh, you can't control you know what's in people's minds, and we try to deal in truths around here, tell the truth. Uh, you know, I think if if uh, anybody were to interview Booth right now and and know what's going on at Minnesota and the lack of opportunity and different things, everybody makes mistakes. You know, that's undoubtedly a mistake. It was a bad move. Uh, but there's enough people in other people's ears and telling them, you know, uh, and it creates disenchantment and guys want to go and try something else. And, and this is a shining example of that not being a good decision. We can't control that. What I, what I feel really fortunate about is that we have uh, a young man in our program named Pella Larson and a young man in our program named Ian Martinez that are freshmen that are growing, that are cut of the right stuff. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. And if, if somebody doesn't think this is the right place for them, um, you know, then that, that's going to be their decision. But I feel really confident after having been here for 10 years that we're going to continue pushing guys. Guys are going to have an ability to reach their potential. Uh, no, no, you're not going to get to play 40 minutes and play a position that you want to play because you think that's your position. We're going to, we're going to try to win games and do things uh, with the program as our number one priority. And we will continue to do it, you know, to do that as we uh, move forward. So it's, uh, 
it's a shame the way it is, the way the, the game is, but um, we'll just keep grinding. How about that? Yeah. So you mentioned some of the guys on your roster, and you look at your roster, and you fans are used to seeing guys from Utah and California and Arizona, and you have guys from Utah and California and Arizona. But yeah. Sweden, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Senegal, Jamaica, Finland, uh, are you going to continue to have an international flavor going forward? Are you going to accelerate that a little more? Uh, what are you thinking? No. Well, uh, hey, look, the the world uh, basketball is uh... – the world is is figuring it out. It's um, it's not all soccer anymore. And I think when you look at an NBA draft and you see ten to fifteen people uh, from around the world that nobody's ever heard of, and you see some of the successes uh, in the NBA of these international players, there's a it's it's a positive culture in Europe. You know, kids grow up and they're coached and and taught properly there's a high skill level we've got a couple more international kids joining us next year so it's not going to be the only you know it's uh it's part of a program but the the world is is creating and and basketball is is flowing all over and i think we've done a nice job established the niche when you go back to the bogats and the hano medalas and uh, this is a, a really great school for international students. We've got a lot of international students, and I think culturally the city fits a lot of people. So, yeah, we'll continue to do that. But, uh, you know, Utah is very important as well, and certainly the the West, uh, the states you mentioned, California and Arizona, and that that will remain in our, in our, uh, in our grasp, and we're going to keep striving to find the best players that we can. What's Jones' status going to be for the tournament? Uh, well, he's making improvements. We're not not really sure. It's a it's a day to day deal, and we just finished a coaching meeting this morning, and it's improving. But um, you know, there's never going to be any pressure on us, and I think we all know Ryland well enough to know that if he's if he's close, uh, he's a tough son of a gun. Uh, what's been difficult is is keeping him from diving on the floor. You know, when you have a shoulder the way he re-injured it again, there's certain things that are in his in his gene pool and his DNA on loose balls that he uh, you know he gave himself up as an injured player and that ended up you know torquing his shoulder again. So it's really hard. It's really hard to you know tell a kid not to take a charge and not to dive on the floor. Uh, but you know, we're, we're hoping certainly and praying and, and, uh, you know, trying to keep Ryland in good spirits. And I'm curious, I haven't had a chance to, uh, to visit with them this morning, but we're, we're getting ready to do some COVID testing before we head out to Vegas. And I'm hoping that, uh, that things have improved a little bit for him. He could be a key ingredient, obviously for, for the success of our team. Anybody who remembers watching you play knows that, uh, you were an energetic guy who played with an intense edge. And you didn't, I don't think, you needed many outside motivators to get you to play like that. But I'm curious <laughs> playing in empty gyms. That was an understatement. Nice laugh, right? Uh, but I'm curious playing in empty gyms, and especially, and we had Steve Cleveland on, he brought this up, that it's yes, it's March Madness, but the fans and the energy cascading out of the stands 
is a big part of the madness. And I'm yeah. wondering how much you're seeing with your own team and with opposing teams, how much you're seeing games impacted by these no crowds or small crowds because it's it's not the same. It's clearly not the same. And it shouldn't yeah. matter, but it often does. And what are you seeing? Well, I think, number one, there's a little bit more parity. There, there's probably more road wins. I haven't looked at any data, but, but I know that we sure could have used the Huntsman Strong and the Faithful to help us get through a couple of those. Uh, you know, the Colorado, the Oregon, the Oregon State, when you kind of need that boost to get you over the top. So it's probably leveled the playing field. I think everybody plays the game um, for a different reason. You know, you mentioned my my days as a player. For me, basketball was was an escape from a lot of things that were going on in my life that uh, you could kind of put on a, a, a different mask and go be something. And you know, I found a lot of uh, I found a lot of. Uh, value because it, it helped me with my identity. Like I was, I was a basketball player and I tried to play like every practice or game was the last one. And, and, you know, I think what you're seeing is if you're, if you're intrinsically motivated and you're playing the game for the right reasons, a lot of, you know, and the crowd does make a difference, but you don't need the crowd to get you going. And I think what it's done is, um, you know, made everybody take a look at themselves for, you know, what, what it is they're playing for. They've got people at home that maybe aren't able to come to a game, maybe loved ones that they've lost, whatever the motivation is. And the, the playing field is equal. Both, both teams are lacking that. Even when you're on the road, it's fun to have a, you know, there's been some games this year when we've gone on the road and I miss certain fans. There's fans at Oregon and there's fans at Arizona that over the 10 years you, you almost create a relationship with that are, you know, that give you a little something and make you want to be a little better and, and the heckling and the different things. But uh, it's a challenging time for our guys. I, I do think what's great is we've recently added some fans. Uh, you know, there will be 100, 100 tickets given for each team at the Pac-12 tournament. So it's not going to be as empty as it was back in November or December. And I think as important as anything is our guys, you know, with the television, it's still – um, this is the time of year. It's magical because it's being watched across the country. And we all, the one thing we all know is that we're getting close to the finish line. You know, the needles are going in people's arms and the days are getting longer and the weathers and the rates are dropping. So I think everybody has a little bit of energy knowing that we've persevered and made it through a really tough year. And now is the time of year that you want to be clicking and putting it all together. So there's a some positive things that are happening, I think, that help um, overcome some of the lack of, of, you know, packed arenas. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll find some of that enthusiasm. You talk about how you played as it was your last game. It must be in the Christobiak DNA because I had a neighbor who played at Brighton a couple years ago as a senior, and your son was on that team. And I would go to the games to watch him play, and I'd watch you'd be there, and I'd watch your son. He's much shorter than you, but I love the way the kid played because he played all out on every single possession. So it's clearly something in that DNA with your last name, I guess. How do you get that? to go in some of your guys now who maybe that, that they don't necessarily have it. And I'm not saying that Carlson is a loafer by any stretch, but it looks like he's got a world of talent. Yeah. And how do you get him to just take that mindset that you had when you played? And I saw your kid have it in high school when he played. 
Well, I think you can coach it to some degree. You know, the the effort and the edge and and um, one one of my favorite sayings with our team is it's really hard to beat somebody that never gives up. And our guys hear that a lot. And I, you know, it, it's just it's just uh, that next play mentality. I think we we watch film so guys can see when they're lacking that. Sometimes you don't know what you look like. Uh, and how, how much more you can bring to the table. Um, you know, and you got to recruit some guys that are like that. It, it's, uh, it's like raising kids. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, raise, raising the son you're talking about, you feel like you have to put the, you have to put the uh, bridle on them a little bit and be pulling them back. And, and I've always said I would rather have to try to, you know, slow somebody down and get them to withdraw and, and slow down and not play so hard than trying to kick somebody in the butt to get them excited. And it's always a fine line. But I, I do believe that the as much as the mental skill uh, is, a pay, is a part of the game, just like the shooting skill or the passing skill, we're, we're teaching them all those skills while they're here at Utah. But I also believe we can teach them how to grind and, and fight through some tough times uh, and that's a process. That's like going in the weight room, tearing your muscles down. And if you come back again, when you're really sore, all you're doing is getting stronger and it's, it's not comfortable. It's not fun when you're aching. It's not fun when you're beat up and you're, but same thing goes with the mental aspect. You know, there's some days you don't feel like working. Well, are, are you going to come back and, and break through some thresholds that maybe you didn't think you could get through before? So that's a skill that we try to we try to improve, and we've got to get dialed in. This is that time of year it, when we lose. Now we're done, and so um, you know this is the end of the fight. And let let's make sure uh, that if we're going down, that we're going to go down swinging. And our and our players will understand that loud and clear. And the more you can get uh, unified with that thought, I think the better chance you have to win some games. So you mentioned a couple things there about, you know, the mental attitude and all that. And, and I'm curious with your players, you know, it's different with fans because they ride the roller coaster. They have no control over it and they're invested and, you know, they go nuts. There have been some encouraging wins and then just some heartbreaking losses here. Have you had to buck this team up a little bit? Do kids let this stuff roll off their back? How's your team mentally right now? Well, well, I think I think we're okay. Uh, I would be concerned if we were if we were like trying to play darts with the blindfold on, you know, like it, we really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing, and <laughs> let's just go roll the dice and see what happens. But you can watch any one of our games. Uh, I've watched them multiple times. If you want to watch. You know, okay, we didn't feel good about getting beat at home the other night by Oregon State. Well, guess what? It's not a mystery. If you if you rebound a little bit harder and we don't give up 24 points uh, on second shots and you can block out on two missed free throws that they scored baskets on, we probably win. So it, we've got, again, we've got this long movie that we've watched. And, and believe me, we watch film after every game. Our guys watch film when we'll beat Arizona and what it looks like when it's good and what it looks like when it's bad. So going into this, this is the talk uh, talk is cheap kind of year, uh, time of year, you know, that we can sit down and talk about all of it, or you guys can just 
bring up your memory banks and know that we've got to do a lot of these elements. You got to take care of the ball. You got to rebound. You got to share it. And guess what? When you when you're open, you got to make it. And I mean, we've been shooting ninety percent from the free throw line the last. If Colorado wasn't about to break uh, the all-time NCAA record, we'd be knocking on the door of that. So there's some good things that are happening. Let's just piece it all together. And so our guys aren't suicidal and worried. You know, it's 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 uh, it is right before us. And if everybody does their part and plays their role, and things come together, we can be successful. So there, you know, it's it's not one of those seasons where anybody's thrown in the towel and and wants to move on. And so I think mentally everybody should be in a pretty safe place right now. And we had a really good, it was a lot of fun on Saturday watching guys that haven't played a lot of minutes go out and do their thing. And the guys on the bench, unbelievably supportive. We recognize some seniors and Donnie Daniels. So, you know, this isn't a victim time. You know, this, this year's killed a lot of people. It's unemployed a lot of people. We've just played 19 out of our 20 conference games, which I never would have guessed. So, you know, let's say bad for bad that we're, we're going out to play a game in the best time of the year in March Madness. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really disappointed if I found out that anybody on our team is not in a good mental place because uh, th- this, has been, this has been pretty uh, positive and there's been a lot of good things to take. And now let's go. Let's go make sure we really have a good taste in our mouth and do this thing the right way. Coaches essentially are teachers at heart. When have you found is the best time to teach the principles that you're trying to get across to your players? Oh, you know what? There's there's opportunities, sometimes hidden little gems. I wouldn't say... You know, obviously, when you're going into a team meeting with an agenda, uh, a film session, there's key points that you have to get across. But sometimes it's as simple as in an airport. Um, you know, the the words, the positive things in our culture, we try to we try to keep them alive on a daily practice plan and recognize and and reward and award guys when when things are being done well. I, I just don't think that you can pick and choose. I think those, those windows open themselves and there's an opportunity for some teaching along the way, sometimes almost in a whisper mode and sometimes in your face mode. And, um, it, that's one of the coolest parts about this job. You know, I think players at this level are obviously good basketball players, but there's a lot of things you can help teach them about life in general and things that are going to be with them the rest of their life. And, and that's one of the, the, the most rewarding parts when I hear back from the Jordan Leverages and the Brandon Taylors and the DeLon Wrights and those guys, Kyle Kuzma, and they're actually using slogans um, and, you know, wanting to be reminded of certain things that we talked about here as inspiration. That That's absolutely priceless. And so those opportunities we try to take full advantage of whenever we can. Larry, we appreciate a few minutes. We'll be watching you in the Pac-12 tournament against Washington on Wednesday, and we would love to talk to you about some of the big picture stuff, so hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime in the offseason. That sounds great, guys. Thanks, man. There's Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, West Coast Conference tournament, semifinals, BYU and Pepperdine next. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag college basketball. We're really proud of it. We've joked around uh, a little bit about how we're beautiful, ugly. If we win beautiful, ugly, we've won 20 times beautiful, ugly this year. And we dig it, man. Let's go. Let's make some t-shirts. A win's a win. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Beautiful, ugly. And that's a good expression for what BYU did against Pepperdine. Down 10 late. Finished strong. Got the game to overtime. Actually had a chance to win it in regulation, but couldn't get a stop. But then won it in OT. BK, a lot of fouls, a lot of turnovers, but ultimately they found a way to win. Yeah, I guess that's all that matters there. That's the whole goal at this point now. Any loss going forward, uh, not tonight, but uh, it would have been devastating. Tonight is expected, and then obviously the NCAA tournament, you're done. So that's devastating. So if you find a way to win, who cares how it goes about? All that matters is that you did win. And they did. There were way too many turnovers. But there weren't. That's the whole point. They won. poor, yeah. Despite 21. Poor shooting, but lousy defense and stretches. But down 10 late in the game, they got it together. Competitive. You got to give them that. They were competitive down the stretch. That, That effort won't be anybody else the rest of the year, but... It was good enough to beat Pepperdine and give BYU their 20th win. They're 20 and 5 now. They're playing Gonzaga. It was a perfect 25 and 0. They rolled again. Another blowout victory for the Zags in the semifinal over St. Mary's. So now it's Gonzaga and BYU, 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN in the conference tournament title game. Get there early. Gonzaga, they just seems to just uh, steamroll people. I mean, they remind me of the 87 Dream Team. They just beat the crap out of everybody. The 87 Dream Team. Yeah, none of those games were even close. The 92 Dream Team. That team, too. Yeah, I realized they got together for a couple of Olympics, basically, right? Be the 96 Dream Team. That's what I'm saying. Go on and on. Gonzaga was up by 18 on St. Mary's at the half. So to your point, you want to see some competition, be there early. I turned the game on a few minutes late, and it was already like 20 to 10. And Gonzaga was already pulling away and in charge. Not me. I was right there for the... The starting lineups, man. I was there at the beginning. Uh, other tickets were uh, punched. Appalachian State clinched their first NCAA tournament berth in 21 years after winning the Sun Belt. Michigan is expected to be a one seed. So there are plenty of people on social media hoping it would be Michigan and App State like that football upset years ago. Pair them up in basketball. Roll the old football video. Let's see what happens. Creighton men's basketball coach Greg McDermott has been reinstated to all team activities following a one-game suspension for racially insensitive comments he made to his players in late February. The school announced that yesterday he will coach in this weekend's Big East Tournament. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. There's pick and rolls that happen in basketball. There's isolations that happen in basketball. And I do both, so I don't really understand what that means. I just, uh, stuff like that I don't even pay attention to, especially somebody that has no credibility. It's James Harden. 
Talking about Antoine Walker, who says the Nets can't win with Harden's style. Is that all offensive? Is that defensive? Is, it, is what all offensive? His style well, his style. Of? Yeah, I don't know what Antoine Walker's getting at with his style. Is he saying he's too ball dominant? Because I think he's been less ball dominant in, with the Nets than he was with the Rockets. And most people who are questioning the Nets are questioning their ability to defend at a high level in the playoffs. I assume Walker was going more ball dominant. He's talking about Harden's style, but... Well, I think Harden's with a different team, obviously, now. So what is the style necessary for James Harden to be on a winning team when he was with Houston? Was it necessary for him to take all those shots and have the ball as much as he did? Maybe so. And certainly D'Antoni was the coach. Now, he's an assistant coach with the Nets now. Uh, On this one, you don't need him to do that. And what does James Harden want to do? He's received all the individual accolades and all the money he could possibly spend. Now it's about winning. And usually in these cases... As a player matures and gets all the fame and the glory and the money, then it does become about winning, and you see him many times transform his game into going whatever it takes to win. I would suspect that James Harden would fall in line with all those other examples. I would think so. I think you've got to, uh, there's a couple things. One, to your point about, you know, what was the lineup like in Houston, so what did he have to do? He didn't have Kevin Durant in Houston, and now he does. And Kyrie Irving can initiate the offense and go get some shots and score some points, too. So he can play a little differently. But I also think he has to play different night to night in Brooklyn because that lineup has been wildly inconsistent. You know, who's available, who's not available. Uh, you know, it changes on any given night. Um, recently, you know, we saw Durant miss some games. So got to play a little differently based on who's available. A couple for things, game. man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> NBA announced the mini-bubble for the All-Star Game was a success. No players, coaches, or game officials tested positive for COVID-19 while in Atlanta after the final tests were processed and results were returned to the league and the teams involved. Now, time to get back to it. Game start Wednesday night. Tomorrow night. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. From what I gather from talking to people this week, over the past week, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is still far and away their plan A. That, that if they had to draw it up exactly, you know, the optimal situation for the Patriots for this coming season, it's Jimmy G coming back here. And of course, that's all dependent on the 49ers doing something. Now, don't believe anything that John Lynch says. Like, yeah. John Lynch really has no power there. He's basically, I guess he sort of runs personnel, but it's it's Kyle Shanahan's show from top to bottom. That's the Boston Sports Journal's Greg Bedard on the Patriots' plan A this offseason. Need a quarterback? What are they going to do? Everybody's waiting to see. Who's going to make moves? And if quarterback musical chairs is going to start or accelerate. Didn't really want to get rid of Jimmy G, but they did. So now can they get him back? They got Trent Brown back. Raiders are sending offensive tackle Trent Brown to the Patriots. He's restructured his deal. One year, $11 million. Started every game during the Patriots' 2018 Super Bowl run before signing with the Raiders as a free agent in 2019 couple years with the Raiders, and now back to the Patriots. So, who else is on the move? A wheel and deal. How long do you think the Patriots can be a story based on their past success, and how quickly does that fade, PK? A lot of Patriots talked last year for a team that wasn't really in the hunt. I would say as long as Belichick is there. Yeah. 
Dallas Cowboys. Going to have Dak Prescott for a while, apparently. He signed a four-year, $160 million contract. Then their long-running negotiations, their battle. Technically, it's a six-year deal, but voyaged to four years to help the Cowboys with the salary cap. It includes $126 million guaranteed, record $66 million contract extension, a record $75 million due in year one of the deal. Part of negotiating this, because this is a high number going forward, this is the second... Second highest quarterback deal in the in the NFL behind Mahomes' deal, but part of it is I think the Dak Prescott wanted to be compensated because he was a steal, fourth round guy, and paid a lot less than guys who were getting teams to the playoffs. So somehow they found a number. PK, we'll wait for the next drama with the Cowboys. I'm yeah, sure I there'll just be don't another. see it. I, I just don't think he's an he's a playoff quarterback, but he's not a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't even know if he's a consistent playoff quarterback. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. You know, this spring has been so exciting. Like my first time in competition with the other quarterbacks. And it's just been so excited to be to be finally into it. You know, last year I was getting home from my mission, working on the scout team. And that was a blast. I'm, I enjoyed every moment. But now it's now it's time to shine and just rock and roll. You can enjoy every moment, but you can enjoy every moment more, PK. Don't want to diss the scout team. Well, enjoy the moment of the competition. If you don't win the competition, then I don't know how much you're going to enjoy it. But he's young. Just to clarify, it's Jacob it Conover. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is Conover. Uh, and if he doesn't win it this year, it's not like he won't play this year, nor will it um, doesn't mean he's not going to play at Brigham Young. I mean, if he's this good. As they say, his time will come, even if it doesn't come now or in the fall. It will come. He'll have an opportunity to get out on the field. That's all you want. How accurately can you handicap the competition that Conover speaks of with Hall and Romney? I mean, I can say it again. I think Hall's going to be the starter, but that's just my opinion. Nobody's told me that, and Romney could easily win that job just as well so I mean we're like five practices into it so there's really nothing to handicap right now who can Samson Akua announced they will indeed be transferring to BYU put it out on social media Samson will be a grad transfer with one year of eligibility Puka is a sophomore it'll be his third year but obviously the clock didn't run last year so yeah they went on and said a lot about uh you know, they need to get home for family reasons. We'll have Puka out at 9 o'clock. I believe them to an extent. But I also believe that they want to get the ball. They didn't get the ball. They just didn't get the ball at the other two schools. I mean, Sampson going home, well, he wasn't that far away from home to begin with. Obviously, being up in Seattle is a major distance between Utah County. I assume they still live there. I don't know that. But uh, I assume that's where they live, and that's a major distance from Seattle, clearly. But there's got to be some football aspect into it, too, because if Samson really wanted to go home uh, with classes being online as much as they are, he could have done it. Now he had to show up to practice, obviously, but he could have done that. But they want to go someplace where they have an opportunity to get the ball downfield. I mean, you look at BYU, you look at Seattle or Washington and Utah. What they do is put defenders and running backs into the NFL. Right? I mean, Seattle, uh, Washington, they've got 29 guys. I think they're in the NFL. And 19 of them are either on defense or running backs. 
and that's a give or take. Uh, you know, the rosters are fluid in the NFL. Last time I looked it up. Well, same thing with Utah, right? Defensive players and running back. A couple years ago, they put all those defenders in the NFL and Zach Moss, right? Not a whole lot of receivers. Well, you look at BYU. They took a walk-on, not the best competition last year, but a walk-on. He had 1,100 yards and, and 70 catches or what it was, and now he's entering the draft going to get an opportunity to play. So clearly one offense wants to throw the ball downfield a whole lot more than the other two. Still, they got whatever's going on personally. They got a chance to uh, make big plays, get the ball in the air, and then hopefully chase the NFL dream because everybody's chasing the NFL dream. Puka Nakua is going to join us at 9 o'clock this morning. The new BYU transfer from the University of Washington will be uh, right here on the zone, 9.05, so be here for that. Uh, The other football news, Les Miles is out of Kansas. They agreed to part ways last night. Kansas AD Jeff Long said he's extremely disappointed for his university, the fans, and everyone involved with the football program. they got to go find a new coach. Indiana likes the coach they have. Tom Allen gets a seven-year contract through 2027. It's going to pay him $4.9 million per year. That's up a million dollars per year. Indiana, who's long been a doormat in the Big Ten, coming off a really good season, 6-2. and two. They were 6-1 and one in conference and lost at Ohio State 42-35 in a game that was really good in the fourth quarter in a year when Ohio State blew out a lot of people. So he gets the big money deal. DJ and PK. Whoa, 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 Oh, and then Utah. New receivers coach has been hired out of Central Michigan. Bumpus. It's coming. Former GA in 2018. Chad Bumpus. Uh, Chad Bumpus. A couple of things, as uh, DJ would say, uh, that Bumpuses, you know, they're the ones who ruined the uh, Thanksgiving, no, Christmas dinner. Ralphie and his family, and then they had to go to the Chinese place, the Bumpus Dogs. That was the neighbors. And then also, too, you know, good for him, but I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear a kid be criticized for transferring. Because this guy was over there at his other job like three days ago. Well, I'm exaggerating. Last month, was it? Maybe January, right? And good for him for getting the job, but he never coached a day, at least in the fall season there and he's out the door because he got a better offer which is fine i've got zero problem with that but it shouldn't be a one-time deal on these kids to transfer they should be able to go whenever they want i mean because a coach just did this and nobody bats an eyelash we're all excited utah on their their twitter accounts this is all fired up he's all fired up and that's great i'm not criticizing this coach or the school at all in the least it's the same opportunity needs to be provided to the player anytime he or she wants to do it. Because we've seen this. This is not that unusual where a coach gets hired and then X amount of time, relatively short, gets another job opportunity and takes it just a few weeks later. So the player needs to have the same opportunity. That's my whole point. That happens all the time. It's happened for a long time. Where was the school Andy Ludwig went when he left Utah the first time in 08? Because he went somewhere real briefly. and was then jumped, Kansas? I, I Kansas think so. And, and then Cal. he jumped to Cal. Kansas to Cal, yeah. Right, and it was yeah. the same kind of deal. He never coached a game in Kansas. And that's fine. Yeah. So be it. I don't, I'm, I've don't. i got zero problem with it. I yep. just want the player to be able to do it also. 
It seems where we're heading with the players. No, it must be where we're headed. Yes, but there's foot dragging there. There's no foot dragging with the coaches. And your point, that's inconsistent, hypocritical. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why the Nakua's are going to publicly say about the personal and the family reasons so Puka could be eligible this season. So I think you got to play that game. And that's not just me saying it. It's what I've been told. It's not me saying it at all, actually. And that doesn't discount the family reasons by any stretch. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Five-time All-Star David Price told the Dodgers that he is open to taking on any role with the defending World Series champs. He sat out the 2020 season, made a spring training debut with a 1-2-3 inning in the fourth inning of their game against the White Sox yesterday. What role can you envision for David Price with the Dodgers since he's open to any role? Pitcher. <laughs> I don't think he's going to play second out the, base. Is he coming out of the bullpen? Well, he did yesterday. I happened to be watching that game. And he did come out there and go the one, two, three. You know, it depends on what uh, what they need there. Uh, that's their weakness is in the bullpen, not as much as the starting pitching. They're loaded. My goodness, and Corey Seager just hit a bomb. Mookie Betts making another phenomenal play out there in right field. I know your boys signed FD two to a four thousand year contract, and they should be good. Uh, but but does that make them better than the Dodgers? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, they're just so loaded. Just watching that game yesterday, it was 6 nothing in the second inning. I mean, and, and I know it's a spring training game, but they're just so loaded. So Price is getting up there. Hasn't been nearly as effective and obviously did sit out last season. So in order to make that money, and I think, too, to uh, be a good teammate because you chose to sit out, sit out last year, and that was your call, fine. But man, I think he's playing it right. Yeah, you don't want to come in with a bunch of demands, right? They won the World Series without you, and granted, it was a 60-game season and different playoff format, but they still did it. So, don't come in and make demands. Come in and say you'll do whatever. Real Cormier, the durable left-hander, spent 16 years in the major leagues, pitched in the Olympics before and after his time in the big leagues, had a heck of a career, but he died after a battle with cancer, and he's only 53 years old. Spent time with the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Reds, the Expos, and the Red Sox. Pitched for the Canadian national team in the 1988 and 2008 Olympic Games. What is Trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up this morning, we got basketball. Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach, getting ready for the Big Sky Tournament. One of three teams that could easily end up winning the Big Sky Tournament. We'll talk with him at 8 o'clock. Mark Madsen, UDU men's basketball coach. Looks like a two-team race in the six-team conference tournament, but it's March, so you never really know. But UVU and Grand Canyon look like the favorites in the WAC tournament. We'll talk with Mark at 8.30. And Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver from the University of Washington, will join us at 9.05. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. Because you're number one preset. 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot takes or toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. All right, question of the day. The Nakua brothers are heading to BYU. The Nakuas are coming. The Nakuas are coming. Wide receivers <laughs> Samson and Puka are transferred to BYU. How great is that for the Cougars? Thanks for playing along there with the Paul Revere. You're welcome. <laughs> I liked it. It was a nice pull. I liked it. It was good. Dax, they couldn't cut it at a P5 school, so they had to transfer to a mid-major. I got a thumbs up from a Ute fan, and it got a laughing emoji from a Cougar fan. The basketball is mid-major. I don't think that we use that as a football term. Uh, So, I guess Brian Thompson. No, Brian Thompson transferred to a Pac-12 school, so he could cut it. Derek says neither one of those guys is going to get a win over Utah, just like the big brother. Speaking of Kai, of course. Yes, and there it is. Let's cut right to the chase. Great, you're not beating us. That's why this rivalry ranks right there with any in the country because this is a time for BYU to get good news and the Ute fans come out and and when are you going to have our recruits on? Like, you don't care about us anymore. When are you going to have this and this and this? I mean, we talk an inordinate amount of Utah football, but that's not good enough, man, because once you mention the rivalry, the other team, it, it comes out right off the bat. Well, they couldn't cut it at a P5. We're P5. You're not. Nanner, nanner, nanner. <laughs> that, that's why this rivalry just rocks. And they don't even have to play. There's very few rivalries where you don't have to play, and it's still a big deal. And they won't play, at least uh, scheduled for the next two years, because they're going to play Florida. I mean, SC and Stanford can play Notre Dame and BYU in the same year, but Utah can't. It's too tough, apparently. So I love the fact that they're playing Florida, but you claim you're a rival of SC's. Well, SC is going to play Notre Dame and BYU in 2021. But well, it's because we play nine conference games. Wait a minute, you're in the Pac-12 South, and they play nine <laughs> conference games, too. Strike that, Your Honor. Yeah. Can't use that one. Right. And I think it's awesome that you're playing Florida. Absolutely. But don't tell me you can't play BYU in the same year, and then tell me you're a rival of SC's or Stanford because they do it. And that's just, we know that they play Notre Dame every year. There's also other schools I'd have to look at. Uh, the Sun Devils have a pretty easy non-conference schedule this year, so I can't put them on there uh, because we know BYU plays five uh, Pac-12 schools this year. So just saying we don't want to play BYU, not, well, it's too tough, that that doesn't really ring true to me. It's just not really. And I get that that's more of a rival for you, and SC's really not going to give them the time of day as far as her rival. 
goes, and they're going to give you, Utah, more of the time of day. I understand all that. And that's true. And it's, your, your claims on that are 100% accurate. But that's the greatness of this robbery here. And that's what's cool about them not being in a conference together is that they can easily transfer. Now, they're also they're doing away with those uh, rules against uh, transferring within your own conference and losing another year, like Trent Whiting did years ago in basketball. Steve Cleveland brought him up because this is a 20-year anniversary of BYU winning the conference title under Steve Cleveland, and Trent Whiting was a significant player on that team. And it was a and, big deal at the time. Yeah, because he left Utah to go to BYU, and I can tell you that the athletic administration for Utah was furious. Absolutely furious. You can go. You can go anywhere, but don't go there. <laughs> there was a former player and coach who was employed by BYU at the time, and he was a former player and coach at Utah, and I think they really held that against him. And to be clear, the Utah-BYU game, it's getting played this year, but not in 2022 and not right. in 2023. In 2023, the Utes are playing Florida and Baylor. Mm-hmm. So that's, and that's a great that's, schedule. That's great. pretty good, good. right. In 2022, awesome. in 2022, it's Florida, San Diego State, and Southern Utah. So, Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. Do what you want. And that, that's fine. I, the opportunity to play Florida, I think you should sign up for that or a school like Florida, you should sign up for that every chance you get. Chance to go to the Swamp. A and chance get for the Pac-12 to, to beat an SEC school. They come yeah. back, yeah, the first one's in the Swamp, yeah. the second one's That's in That's awesome. I think Utah. Utah needs to do that because they haven't had a lot of big non-conference opponents come into the stadium before they weren't good enough and they yeah. couldn't. Now they can, but it hasn't worked out. And going forward there, which has been Mark Harlan's job, he's talked about – Increasing that, and that's outstanding. Kudos to him and to the the school for getting that done. I I'm excited for them. I don't want to say I can't wait. I can wait just fine. But I'm excited for them to play Florida. It's a new twist. Uh, if Mullen is still there, obviously he has some Utah roots under Urban, as I think he was the quarterback coach, if I remember correctly. Uh, so that that would be cool. So I endorse that 100. percent well, if the Pac-12 is going to raise its reputation, they're going to have to win intersectional games. And for the Utes, am I missing somebody? Go back to Michigan and before that to Pittsburgh. And then you're getting back to, you know, the, I think the Pittsburgh deal was the last year of the Mountain West and the first year of the, of the Pac-12. So Yeah, that's interesting. I actually think that in order to raise your profile, I don't know that you need to win intersectional games because that's cost you uh, from getting to the playoff. Losing intersectional games has, yeah. yes. So I wonder if they really do. But I appreciate Utah wanting to do it, and I think it's absolutely awesome. And as I say, I'm excited very much for that game. Question of the day. The Nakuas are coming. The Nakuas are coming. Samson and Puka are transferring. How great is it for the Cougars? Jacob says, well, future schedules are going to look nothing like this last year's schedule, but... Things are looking better in every aspect. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw a horse uh, with someone riding it through my neighborhood screaming the Nakuas are coming last night. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> need you to return the horse to your neighbor, PK. Come on. <laughs> I think it's a great opportunity. And then Puka, we presented him with the State of the Sport Award for Best High School Athlete. Yep. And opportunity to talk to him a little bit backstage. We talked to him backstage. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so uh, big sharp young man at the time. 
Uh, we've spoken a few of Cameron Cooper we also did. Uh, they didn't have the state of the sport last April, obviously, because of the COVID. As you and I, usually we get the opportunity to make a presentation together. Uh, and uh, he was there. And I kidded him, how come he doesn't have wild hair like his brother? And and he said he's not that crazy. Samson had the wild hair and the multicolored hair and all that stuff. I guess for a few months I'll have to tone that down. Although I don't know that they have anything on the color of your hair. It's the BYU's all hung up on the length of your hair from for some bizarre reason. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if he can if you can go different colors. I don't know if that's deep in the uh, small print of the honor code somewhere. Maybe they have to get a quick amendment to the honor code. As I, as I don't give him any ideas here. <laughs> so I don't know what Samson wants to do there. But I think Samson was... Uh, did he was he did he underperform? Was he underutilized? Uh, depending on where you want to go with that, that's up to you. Uh, but you know, you look at his career at Utah. He's six foot three. He can move, uh, and his total receptions in his entire time he spent at Utah aren't as much as Dax Mill had last year. So if I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, well, wait a second, I'm as good as this guy. Now he's going to have a top pick throwing him the ball. Utah doesn't normally have quarterbacks drafted. And uh, Zach Wilson's clearly going to get drafted and going to get drafted very, very high. So, But there's no question that they want to get the ball downfield to the wideouts more, not just to the slot receiver or the tight end or the back coming out of the backfield. Uh, as Utah traditionally has done here at least in the last few years so you can see why Samson would want to have an opportunity because as you say everybody wants to get to the NFL and he's got the measurables he's certainly got the size to get to the NFL right no one's going to doubt that he's legitimate in his size he's well over six feet so he's get this opportunity and it's a great opportunity and then of course to get to play with your brother and play whatever personal situation you have with your family I think there's what six kids uh, his father, Lionel, Lionel died in 2012, I think it was. Correct. Uh, uh, Nakua was, or, or Samson was at uh, Timview, and Puka played at Orm, right? Yes. Yep. And their younger yeah. brother's now back at Timview playing right now. Yeah, so in their situation is what it is, and, and uh, obviously they were young, very young, to lose your father. That's so unfortunate that that happened. And so they want to be home and get to be on the field together. It's good for them. I'm excited for them because that's what they want. And I'm excited for BYU. You get an opportunity to bring in some talent because you lose Mill, who was a big-time player for you guys. And now I don't know that any individual is going to be uh, as productive. The competition is going to be stiffer. The quarterback, uh, I don't know at the start anyway, is going to be as good, maybe over time. But Zach Wilson was brilliant last season. All of us can agree with that. And I know you'd fans will scream competition. But the NFL doesn't really care about that. They can they compare compare they care about how good you're going to be in the NFL. And they think he's going to be very, very good. So your weakness on the competition for Zach Wilson uh, am I going to listen to you or am I going to listen to NFL people? No, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to you. I'm <laughs> that doesn't know, necessarily mean that NFL people are going to get it right because there's been plenty of quarterbacks they've gotten it wrong, for good, or, for better or worse. You know, Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick, I, I believe, and now he's getting $75 million this next season. 
So obviously he should have been drafted much higher if you want to go along those lines. And we know guys have been taken very, very high. And then as, as high as the number one pick at quarterback and end up sucking and they're gone. So we'll still get his opportunity to prove it. Yeah, and some of those guys played against really good competition. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's an apples and oranges thing going from college to the pros. You don't know. And they try to try to figure it out, and the draft is not an exact science. No draft is anywhere anymore in any league, whatever the situation is. But it's a great opportunity for these two to get what they want and then to succeed on the field. And I certainly wish them nothing but the best. Uh, by the way, it says that hairstyles, uh, the honor code says, hairstyles should be neat and clean, avoiding extreme styles or colors, and trimmed above the collar, leaving the ear uncovered. So I don't know, an extreme color, like you could, he could dye his hair blue but not well, he red. He that rainbow gray thing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's got a personality that he matches does. Tons that. Of but I mean, maybe he can, yeah. he can tone it down if he wants to, too, also. It's just, it's for a few months. I really don't care what his hair looks like, actually. And don't ever read me the honor code again. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) That was pretty much all that was relevant. Uh, Brian, it'll be an exciting summer when Samson gets his hair (laughs) cut. I wish them the best, except on September 11th. And if I'm a Ute fan, absolutely. That would be my sentiment, too. Yeah. Wish them the best, except when you play them. And you want to win, obviously. You want to win those games. Sure, I get it. Let's see, more people weighing in here. Uh, Gwen, I can't wait for September 11 of 2021. <laughs> it's a Ute fan? Uh, let me click on her thing and see. Uh, it's got to be. Went to Bountiful High, lives in Farmington, doesn't say, yeah. Uh, you can't wait for payback, or you can't wait because you're a Cougar fan and you think you're going to win for the first time in more no, than a decade? No, you want to show them that uh, you're better. Because then if you don't do it now, then you got to wait another two years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're getting See way you up in 24. There. It'll yeah, be three that's, years. That's just uh, – that would really suck. Uh, you're not going to play them the following two in 22 and 23. So you didn't get to play them in 20, which I think, uh, just based on where the two programs are at, might be your best chance to win. But it didn't happen because Utah was brand new with so many dudes, and you were a veteran team with Zach Wilson. And now that's not going to be the case. doesn't mean you can't win. Just playing the odds uh, last year would have been a great opportunity for you to get that thing done, but it didn't happen. So... So be it. There's nothing you can do about it now. But yeah, I think that that's what that'll, that'll add a little sliver to the rivalry. The Nakua brothers, one of whom played at Utah, playing against uh, his old team, and then Nakua, or I keep saying Nakua as if it's Puka, Puka, who turned them down and turned down both schools. Obviously, committed to SC, and then goes to Washington, and then halfway through, decides to come to Provo. And he came out of high school with a huge rep. And BYU needs to get those guys, those types of guys. Interestingly, Washington is losing three receivers because Ty Jones, a kid who grew up and went to high school right across yeah, the street. he's transferring. He's going to Fresno. And then they've got another receiver who's going to Sac State. That's where Troy Taylor coaches, right? Yep. Yeah. So they're losing three receivers off their team. Uh 
to go uh, different directions. And then Utah lost two because they lost Thompson and Sampson. Can't tell can't tell the uh, players without a program. Everybody's on the move. Yeah, and it's it's more likely to speed up than it is to slow down. And I was talking to somebody in college football saying I can't understand what Brian Thompson was thinking because he's going to ASU and Herm. They run the same program basically. They want to run but the ball and play great, great play great defense. There's a lot to that, but they've sent guys to the NFL. They've sent the guys to the NFL, and they have an experienced quarterback. Daniels will be going into his. He's three years in the program. You really can't count last year four games as a season by any stretch because if it would have been under the normal rules, he would have been allowed to redshirt because he had only played. They only played four games. And I think the, the – well, I know the NCAA has that rule of if you play only four games, you're allowed to redshirt. So I don't know what that means for him if he's going to go next year into the NFL or if he's even good enough. But maybe that's one of the reasons why he, Thompson decided to go is he's going to a team that has an established quarterback. Doesn't mean he's better than uh, Brewer or whoever the Utes put out there if, if Rising can get himself healthy. I think those are the two leading candidates of Rising has an opportunity to be at full strength when we get to training camp in August. He'll have the opportunity to compete for the job, and we'll see what happens there. Whereas there is no competition in, in Tempe. It's Daniels and then pray for rain, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack weighs in. It's uh, not that great at BYU without some guy by the name of Zach. I bet my Aggies beat them. Aggies weighing in. Utah State taking the Cougars down. Jack's calling his shot. Well, the Aggies will see. You know, they were a mess last season, as we know, for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> Although I, I saw a thing where those super seniors mm-hmm. that Utah State has the most super seniors returning in the country. That's in the teens. I want to say 18. I'm not sure about that number. And the reason why it caught my eye, because it was a Pac-12 story that said number two of the super seniors returning, uh, the Devils. I think, I think the number was like 11. And they, so they have the second most in the country of super seniors, guys who had the opportunity to basically that last season did not count uh, towards eligibility, as we know. Uh, and Devils have, well, I think it was 11, and Utah State having uh, several more than that. They listed them as having the most. So that could help them. Yeah, quarterback play goes a long way to determine the success. This is not breaking news by any stretch here. And so whoever wins the job for the Cougars will have some of them. Well, if it's Hall or Baylor, they've had limited experience. They have some experience. If it's Conover or the other kid, they have zero. Well, I guess the other kid played a little bit maybe in some a uh, couple of mop-up things, but that doesn't really count. So, But that that's the essence of college football, man. These things turn over. You're, you're going to have that from time to time. It's not that unusual. Well, the Cougars were right there to smack the Aggies. Pfft. One P, two Fs, two Ts. Pfft. The same Aggies that were one of the worst teams in the country this last season at one and five. Now with the coaching change, so who knows where this is going? 
right. all, all kinds of question marks for Utah well, yeah, State. Most, Not that there aren't question definitely. marks for the Utes and the Cougars, because there, there are. are. There's just more question marks for Utah State. Yeah, it's just it's rare that you don't have question marks. Two years ago, the Utes didn't have very many question marks, and they had a great season except for the end. All right, we've got uh, a lot of comments, and that's why it's hot takes or toast. Got a lot of people weighing in with their hot takes. But Mark comes to us with a question, and we will get to his question, which is pretty good, and I think a lot of people are wondering the answer to this question. Uh, We could maybe take some educated guesses at it, and we will do that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, embarrassed on a national stage. Taken last, they probably feel like they were slighted. You go back to February 24th, Jazz, they beat the Lakers by 25. Yes. LeBron does not like getting his nose rubbed in anything, let alone a 25-point beatdown to the Utah Jazz. This is psychological warfare. Utah Jazz players, play with that extra edge, that mentality, that physicality that you'll be unstoppable and avenge the city. There would never be a better time for the Utah Jazz to win a championship so we could all look at the rest of the country and be like, ha! See? You don't got to be number one or two market in the country to have a championship team. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. David's Vision, giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call in 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Question of the day on Facebook. The Nakuas are coming. The Nakuas are coming. Samson and Puka, wide receivers, transferring from Utah and Washington to BYU. How about that? How good is that for the Cougars? And Mark twists that uh, question and responds with a question of his own. PK, don't you hate to get into an argument with people who answer questions with a question? Well, I love to get in an argument with anybody at any time, though, because <laughs> that's just fun. Mark says, I wonder how Whittingham is feeling about this right now. I wonder if Kyle allows him to feel very much for very long. Because it isn't going to be that productive. Now, if you got feelings and you got an immediate reaction, you got it. But I just don't know that he allows himself to think about it and dwell on it for 10 minutes. Kids are transferring, they're coming and they're going, and coaches are adjusting. Well, what he said when uh, Thompson left, uh, he said, "If uh, I think the quote was, the transfer porter giveth and the transfer porter taketh. And once a player leaves, it, all right, he leaves. It, it, it's going, when you're, you're dealing with an inordinate amount of number of guys here, too. It's not like, basketball is another story. We had Christobiak on yesterday, and he obviously losing Gotch. The Ute homers, I can remember, oh, he wasn't going to be in the rotation and he wasn't going to be the point guard, so who cares, who needs him? Well, you needed him. You know, He was a veteran guy, and there's not that many veteran guys in basketball. Football, you, know, you got uh, practically as many receivers as you do players on a basketball team. So when a basketball player leaves who's been playing – getting considerable playing time, that's a blow. doesn't matter who it is, it's a blow. Or what program, when I say who it is, is what 
terms of program, not the individual, that's a blow. And Dave Rose had talked about that at length when he was coaching for the Cougars. Football is another story here because, you know, you even if the kid stays, you're still bringing in new guys, not just guy, but guys every season. And then you get other guys who may have been injured, and they're coming back, and all the stuff that's going on. So you really don't have any time to stress over it. You just check it off and move on. And I think he's got to do a lot of that. But they wanted Puka. I mean, if the two of them had been together at Utah, would they have yeah. been transferring? And maybe they would have. Maybe for all the stuff you cited in the last segment, you know, hey, this team's pushing the ball down the field more. This guy's got more catches in the season than I've got over two or three years. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you were talking about Samson's number, and, and, and Puka, for as much as Washington wanted him, he caught 16 passes. Now, he'd tell you I caught three touchdowns, so that's basically one out every five. How about you throw me the ball a little more often? I can get to the end zone here. And well, he was all a freshman. That back and forth. And I think he had a little injury issue. And then last year, forget last year, they only played four games. I think Washington was, uh, them and the Devils only played four. I think they went three and one. Uh, and he had COVID for the Stanford game, so he didn't play. So last year, you got to basically throw it out. But there's no question that they wanted him because he was a big-time receiver. Yes. A lot of programs wanted him. And I think that's a blow. I've been saying this. I've been harping on this for the Devils for as practically as long as we've been doing the show. And it's not. it's gotten worse, not better, as far as the number of players leaving the state. Number of big-time players, not just players, but big-time players leaving the state. NFL quality players, guys who have played in the NFL – that grew up playing football in the Valley, boom, gone. That's devastating to their program. Now, Utah has had a better program the last few years than Arizona State. I don't think you can argue that. Even if the Devils may beat you, your program has still been better. You've accomplished more. But you could accomplish even more probably if you could keep these studs in town. And there's not, that's been an issue don't run from it, acknowledge it, and try to do better. Now, if you can't do it, do like Herm does. Go all over the country to recruit and hire every college, every high school coach who's had success from Southern California. They got like three or four of them on the staff. <laughs> and, and try to get those kids to come over. You know, whatever it takes. And if you can't get the local, then you better darn well get somebody else. That's, uh, you know, in the case of uh, – Southern Cal over to Tempe is only like about five, six hours. So that's sort of semi-local. Got to get, got to get these kids. And, and yeah, I think the losing out on Puka the first time around actually was a blow to both schools, not just Utah. And it's not just him. Uh, you look at that 24-19 recruiting class, and I'm using 24-7 right here. You can use a different recruiting service, and we all know the coaches will tell you, well, we don't rank them the way they rank them. Although some coaches will tell you those rankings have gotten more accurate and they've gotten better over time. But the point is four of the top five guys in the state went out of state. Utah got yeah. one, but Washington, LSU, Oregon, everybody's coming. Everybody. That's a blow. And if you check a different year, you're going to find USC, Oregon, and Alabama. You know, it's just it's on and on. Yeah, you need to get the premier kids in your state to come to your school. Doesn't matter what. I mean, in Southern California, you can't get them all, obviously. Uh, but I think that the, the, that's been a problem for the conference. And the, from the conference perspective, whoever the commissioner is, is hoping that, well, if the local school can't get them, somebody else in the Stay conference. Stay regional, right. Yeah. Stay regional. 
and then it becomes the it's it's a double whammy if you the local doesn't get him nor the conference gets him and he goes out of out of conference to wherever it might be and we're seeing that the quarterback for Clemson the presumed starter for next season is a SoCal kid and he's literally going all across you can't get any farther away you're going all the way to the east coast to play football at Clemson which is a national power obviously all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, college basketball, March Madness, Randy Ray, Weber State coach. He'll join us to talk about the Big Sky Tournament and Mark Madsen, UVU men's coach after that. Both these guys with a chance, uh, depending on the league, you know, one of two, one of three teams expected to compete for the, of course, it's March Madness, so that doesn't mean a sixth seed can't do it. Uh, but these guys have pretty good teams. We'll talk with them next. And then Puka Nakua at 9.05. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. This segment brought to you by SNS Roofing, where their huge winter and spring sales event is going on right now. You can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Weber State basketball coach Randy Ray, the Wildcats, getting ready for the Big Sky Tournament. Randy, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are good. I I was curious if you're really feeling March Madness or if in the bizarreness that is this season, you're on to the next thing. It's labeled March Madness, but everything is its own thing, and it's not really comparable to previous years. It's different. <laughs> it's, it's a little different, but, um, you know, it was the weirdest year ever, obviously. Everybody knows that. It was just strange from the get-go, and it was strange all the way through, and but, you know, we've gotten to play some basketball games. So what actually ended up happening compared to what could have happened, you know, where we couldn't, you know, there's a chance we wouldn't, weren't going to have a season. It's all good. It's been good. It really has. But uh, no, you know, everybody's getting ready for the conference tournaments now and, and we're getting excited. Everybody's getting excited. So it's, it's a little weirder, stranger because of all the protocols and all the things that you've got to do to stay safe and to test negative, that's, that part's really weird. So it's a little different, but bottom line is we get to play some more games. So I guess if you define weird as losing five games in the conference that you didn't play, and then one of them minutes before, and then you have a senior day on a day you don't even have a game, if that's your definition of weird, Randy, well, then you got me. <laughs> that was weird, PK. That was weird, yeah. I mean, we ended up losing – you know, it's kind of, I'll be honest with you, our kids have done a good job, and we've been fortunate because we have not had a positive case since August. Right. Um, so we, we were lucky. Um, but, yeah, we lost four home games during conference play. We didn't lose our, uh, you know, we only lost one road game, so we played nine road games, which is two or three more than anybody else in our league. Yeah. We got, we got you know, the last senior day coming up. We're excited. Seniors are excited. And about two hours before the game, I get a call from Coach Smiley at UNC, and I saw his phone number, or his name come across the phone. I said, well, this is not going to be a good phone call. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't, and, you know, it was protocols we had to, you know, and the big sky decided it wasn't safe to play. So, But we did have senior day with no fans, pretty much our team and a few family members. And we got to celebrate that, so that was good. So, yeah, I guess – it was weird, PK. It was weird. It was different, for sure. 
So, you know, you try to handicap these conference tournaments and you've seen a limited number of games and you try to figure out the best teams. You try to figure out who's hot. Uh, and PK kind of referenced it here. You're 17-5, and five, which in any year, that's a good record. And you're 12-3 and three in league. And you, know, you try to throw out some of the early season stuff. And so you started 3-3. Three and three, And you played a lot of non-conference stuff on the road. I think you only had one or two home games up to that point. Um, right. So then I look and you're like, well, they were 14-2-4. 14 wins, two losses, and four canceled games uh, after the loss of BYU dropped you to 3-3. Three and three. But it looks like a three-team. I mean, anyone could do it. But you and Eastern Washington and SUU are all jammed up at the top of the league there. You're separated by a half a game or so. And Eastern Washington, you didn't play them, and you split the two games with SUU. So I have no idea what to expect. Can you give us any idea <laughs> what to expect? I don't know if you can ever say you know what's going to happen in a conference tournament any year, to be honest with you, DJ. Um, But I do know, you know, Eastern's got a very good team. I know Southern Utah's got a very good team. You know, uh, we've had a really good season. Uh, But you get into those conference tournaments, and anybody can beat anybody. But um, it looks like those three teams, you know, have separated themselves. But then you got to look at, you know, what what did everybody do in in conference play? You know, some teams didn't have to play on the road very much, and they played more home games. And so it's a little bit harder to handicap when it, the the schedule has been so lopsided and so skewed and unbalanced. Maybe it's harder. And we didn't get the chance to play Eastern, and they were supposed to come to our place for two games. So it's hard to know. You know, I don't. You know, I think we got a good basketball team. We've had a really good season. They have too. How do we match up? I don't know exactly. You know, hopefully you get a chance to play them. So I think this year with and, – and we're a conference that when games – we weren't allowed to make up games. A lot of conferences, they, like the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, they canceled games or postponed them, and they got to make most of those up. And we weren't allowed to. So that even made it a little more difficult to kind of say who's what and who's all that. But – so it is a little bit harder to say what will happen. I'm wondering, Randy, if the situation this year versus last year, you weren't good last year and you turned it around this year, if it reminds you of uh, last time you went through this, uh, 2014-15, you weren't good, and then you came back in 15 and 16 and you just dominated. you see any similarities there? You know, a little bit. PK, um, we had to, you know, last year we weren't good. Uh, we had to flip our roster. We brought in nine new guys, and basically we got, you know, our top six guys were all new from last year. And that's been a challenge because we've had to try to get this team on the same page and playing together and buying into team and all that kind of stuff. And that took us some time to do that. But, uh, but, but it is a little bit similar in the fact that, uh, we weren't quite as good, and then, you know, we got better the next year. And, and I feel that way about this year's team compared to last year's team. We're much, much better than we were last year. And, uh, you know, we just got better players. We got older. We got a lot older. You know, we took nine guys, and eight of them were transfers just to become older. Yeah. Um, and there were some anxious times doing that for sure. But but they worked out, and they're really good kids, and they bought into our culture. and. They really bought into playing for each other. You know, everybody told me, hey, if you're going to take transfers, you know, they're going to be selfish. They're playing for themselves. They don't care about team. 
And a lot of that is true sometimes. But we had these kids that we brought in pretty well vetted. And then when we got them here, you know, we let them know from day one, uh, if you're here to play for your own personal agenda, you might as well leave right now because it ain't going to work. I'm not going to play. And, and, uh, and the kids really bought into it. But it took us some games to get comfortable playing together in games. In practice, you can – it's not the same. You have to play games to, you know, define who your identity is and get these kids to, to see if we move the ball and play together and, and uh, take myself out of it and just play for your teammates – you know, we got chance to be pretty good. And when they started to see that working in games, then the, it really clicked. And we did. We got better, and, and it ended up being a good basketball team. So you've got, it looks like, an eight-man rotation here. And they've all played, you know, at least 18 of the 22 games and are all playing at least 15 minutes, right? So of those eight mm-hmm. guys, four of them shoot 40% or better from three. And a fifth guy is at 39.7. So you didn't just take transfers, did you? You were looking for a specific skill set, and you wanted three-point shooters. And none of those guys are your leading scorer. Yeah, no, you're right. We, uh, when, we, uh, when we needed to we flip the roster last year, we're, number one thing we wanted to do was we had to get older. You know, the last couple of years before this, uh, we – uh, we've, we've had some injuries, and the injuries occurred to all of most of our older guys, so it forced our young kids to play more, and they weren't they weren't ready, you know. And so we ended up being younger. And so number one thing, we wanted to get older. Uh, and the second thing is, we needed to get bigger and stronger. We needed to have better shooting, and we needed some length, and we also. Uh, Needed some guys, just just more guys that had that were good basketball, good all around basketball players, guys that had a feel for the game, you know, smart guys that felt the game, skilled guys that could pass, shoot, and handle, and uh, you know, we thought we did that when we recruited them, but you never know until we get them here, and then we got them here, and we and we felt like we we addressed those needs pretty well, and so uh, we we had we had been shooting the ball really well, we are bigger, stronger, we got bigger bodies, we're older. Uh, we've got guys that have a good feel for the game, smarter guys that, that figure out the game. Uh, and so we were looking for specific things, obviously, because last year we didn't shoot the ball well and, and we were, didn't, weren't big enough and strong enough and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I felt like we addressed those needs and it worked out pretty well. So I think you get the winner in Montana, Idaho, correct? Uh, yes. And you swept Idaho – but Montana, you split. Now, both those games were on the road with Montana, and that, that's the way it was this year, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. And it was screwed up here. We already addressed that. Uh, I, and I don't know. I don't know if Montana's going to win or uh, Idaho's going to win. But how do you handicap that potential matchup? I, you know, I, on paper, you would look, you know, Montana's probably you know, got a good chance to win that game, yeah. you know. And we played those guys twice up at their place. They beat us the first game, and then we beat them the second game. Um, they got a, you know, they got a talented team. They're they're a little bit younger than they normally are, uh, and they've been a little bit inconsistent. But they got a talented team. Idaho's had, you know, a pretty tough season. Um, they had some new guys this year. They didn't win a lot of games. Um, so I guess on paper you think, yeah, it's probably going to be Montana, but. You never know in a conference tournament, right? I mean, anything can happen. So we got to just kind of prepare a little bit this week for a little bit of both 
and then figure out Wednesday who we're going to play. But, uh, you know, both teams, uh, you know, we played both teams on the road um, and we swept Idaho. So, uh, you know, we got a pretty good feel for both teams. We got to play both of them twice. Uh, we kind of know what they're all about and what the matchup looks like and what we got to do to have a chance uh, playing either one. So it's going to be, uh, it's always interesting, you know, when you got a quick turnaround, you find out Wednesday who you're going to play and then you got to get ready to play Thursday. So, but we're, you know, with COVID, you know, it, does, it just doesn't matter who you're going to play. You're just thankful to be playing. We're thankful that we're having a conference tournament. We're thankful that we, we've been able to play. We played 16 games in 50 days. Yeah. Uh, we played straight through for about eight weeks. And, uh, and so we've been, we've been at it pretty well. And so I, we've been blessed. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that play a weekend, they cancel a weekend, they, you know, maybe two. And so we've been really fortunate and knock on wood that it stays that way. We're just excited to go play another game. Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach, joining us. Have they told you what the protocol is if you get that kind of call you got you know, a couple hours before the Northern Colorado game? Are they going to delay stuff a game? Will there be forfeits? Uh, I mean, it's been dicey in the regular season, but tournaments get even more complicated. Yeah, it sure does. Um, I was told yesterday that there's four teams that went to conference tournaments that when they got there, they tested positive. Uh Somebody told me that, and what I think is what's going to happen is if, if we if somebody gets over there and they test positive, they're done. They got to leave. You know, they got to get out of there fast. Um, and so they just move on the team that they were going to play, right? So you know, let's say they get over there tomorrow and, and Idaho or Montana test positive. Well, they got to get out and go home, and the next team advances, and they just kind of keep moving up teams that they were supposed to play. And let's knock on wood that that doesn't happen to anybody because that would be pretty hard for anybody to take. But, but I think that's the protocol. And so, and we're testing every day. We've been test start. We started Sunday, and we're going to test every day and game day and everything. Uh, and then once we get to the tournament and the hotels, you know, you pretty much you got to pretty much bubble it up. You know, you're not allowed to go many places. It's going to be hotel room, meeting room, and then the arena. And then there's nothing in between. So that's what they're going to make us do, which is, you know, what we've kind of been doing anyway, to be honest with you. So you've mentioned, Randy, multiple times here in this conversation, gratitude for the opportunity to play, justifiably so. Do you think that's maybe heightened the focus and awareness of the guys? Now, you've got a more veteran team here anyway, so you have some maturity. But because of the situation, how much has that increased that uh, focus and concentration and all the things necessary to produce a winning product out on the floor? Well, I, th- I do think it's been important. I think it's been important to have, a, like I say, an older team as well, a more mature team. Um, you know, our guys, we, we usually have some guys in the dorms when we move, you know, start school. We moved all of our guys out of the dorms. We put them in an apartment. We try to put them as close together as possible and bubble them up. And then we, you know, we were pretty hard on them about, hey, if you want to play basketball this year, you're going to mask up. You're going to social distance. You're not going to be around people. So these kids have sacrificed their college life to play basketball. And they've given up the social aspect and obviously the aspect of being able to go to class in person. And everything's online. So they have sacrificed a lot. And I think when you have an older group, I think they handle it 
they've handled it really well, and they they're more mature about it. And and in some ways, it's really brought our team and probably most teams closer together because that's your family. That's that's who you're going to be with. You don't you're not allowed to go hang out with girlfriends and buddies and all this kind of stuff as much. And it's brought teams that allow themselves. If you you know your team better like each other. If they don't like each other and respect each other, it's probably going to be a hard year because they're they're going to spend a lot of time. And our team really likes each other, and they like being around each other. And I think it's made them even closer, so that when you do get on the court, you have more of a bond. And and uh, and these guys have have embraced. You know, I told them before every game, hey, let's embrace the opportunity. We get to play a game today. Gosh, dang it! There's a lot of teams that don't get to do that. So let's make the most of it and do it together and go fight for each other. And, and they've done that. And it's been fun to watch. And it's been fun to watch our team as the season's gone on even become even more closer. Randy Ray, Weber State basketball coach, joining us with the Big Sky Tournament coming up. And Southern Utah finished a half game in front of Weber State in eastern Washington. So there's three teams that have separated. And, you know, only one can win the tournament. Only one can qualify for the NCAA. But things happen so fast. Have they gone over the protocol of what happens to the champion? Normally you'd come home and there'd be a viewing party the next day and you'd celebrate the announcement of where you're playing and who you're playing but with the bubble and the tournament isn't around the country, it's all in Indianapolis. Do you just have to stay in the hotel, wait for the announcement? Do you fly to Indy? How, how does that work? Yeah, we were told that uh, whoever wins the tournament on Sunday, they'll fly right to Indianapolis and get to your hotel room and kind of bubble up, you know. So there's no in-between time. Um, uh, the championship game will be played Saturday. The winner gets on a plane and they go right there. And it's just your limited travel party, right? I mean, it's it's not going to be family. Now, your family can get out there. But, it, it, you know, even at the conference tournament, if you have family coming, you don't get to see them, you know, so we're bubbling up. So, yeah, it's it's just going from one thing to the next. So whoever wins it, they just go right on Sunday to Indianapolis and sit in the hotel room and go practice and figure out when you're going to play and who you're going to play and move on. So... Kind of very different, right? <laughs> very different. But, hey, it's, it'd be great. <laughs> Nobody's going to complain. I don't think they will complain. I know we wouldn't complain if we're fortunate enough to, to get to that point. Well, Randy, good luck in the tournament. We'll be tracking it to see how you do, and uh, hopefully it'll work out for you. Thanks for coming on the air for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks a lot. Guys, really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach with the Big Sky Tournament looming. Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, joins us next. The former Laker. He's got UVU in the best shape they've ever been in going into the conference tournament. UVU and Grand Canyon, the co-favorites. We will talk with Mark next. Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver, moving from the University of Washington to BYU to join his brother Samson. They went on social media and announced it. Puka will be here at 9 o'clock this morning, and we will talk with him. Mark Madsen is coming up next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim LaCombe. What type of Mike Conley are we going to get now to finish the season after getting his first all-star bid and having kind of the start to the season that he's had? He's a guy who's been undersold a lot his career. I mean, you look at the numbers, and the numbers are so impressive over his entire career. You know, he's joined the Jazz. You know, he had a difficult time transitioning to a new place and a new system. So, like, I think what we're seeing and what we're going to see in the second half is just more money. 
Mike Conley, which to me is toughness, grit, determination, and a whole lot of understanding of who he is. I think he lives for the big moment. I'm telling you, on a national stage when, you know, kind of an uninvited guest, and he showed up and darn near stole the three-point contest. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, is going to join us here momentarily and uh, talk about March Madness. PK, in the mood for championship week, or does it just feel too weird? Everything's weird. Actually, I like it this week, uh, at least at the start of the week, uh, with BYU playing last night and tonight because there's no jazz games. So it fits in well. Sure, it's, it doesn't feel any more weird or weirder. It's been weird. <laughs> nonstop weird extent. for months. <laughs> yeah, so what's the difference now? Actually, we're coming up on nonstop weird for a year now, right? DJ PK, it is time to welcome in UVU men's basketball coach Mark Madsen. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me back on the show. Thanks for coming back on the show. Couldn't help but notice that this year was different for UVU. It was better. There was more winning going on. You're a little further up in the standings this year. Did it feel that way on the inside? Did it feel different? Did it feel better? I mean, it really did. It really did. I think we... We had a little bit more of a chance to put in our system, install our philosophy, but, but really the players did, did a phenomenal job. The, the players bought in. The players worked. They, they put in the extra work in the summer. They're putting in the extra work now. It, it felt good to play games that, that really mattered. We just came back from Grand Canyon this last weekend, and, and we were playing games that, that had a huge bearing on the seating for the – the WAC conference tournament in Vegas, and they just had a, a huge bearing on, on every part of our season. And so I'm proud of our players. I'm proud of how hard they worked. And, uh, you know, we have more work to do. So you, once you got that, uh, you got the first one uh, against Grand Canyon, and once you did, I believe you became the only WAC team that has beaten every single team this season in conference. With that in mind, you've got to be going to Vegas with a fair amount of confidence, I would think. Our guys are confident. Our guys know that if we play well, if, if we execute, if we do the things that we've been doing all year, we know that we have a chance to win it down there. We have a real legitimate chance to win the whole thing and go to the NCAA tournament. That being said, we, we have to execute. We have to do those things that have helped make us successful so far during conference. So it really feels like a couple of different seasons, Mark, because it started uh, it started pretty poorly, and you were two and five, and you'd had I think four games canceled in there. So you're playing sporadically, and when you do play, you're not winning, and so it could have all gone south, and yet it didn't. From two and five, you know, you you turned it around and went nine and five the rest of the way, nine and four in league. What was going wrong, and what turned it around to make things go right? Well, I think a few things early on, you, you know. Early on, we went through, I think, seven different quarantines. You know, we're showing up to play teams, and, and they're at full strength. And, you know, we're missing some key guys that were out with some serious COVID cases. And, and really, every team went through that. But it kind of, for some reason, it hit us at the start of the season. Um, 
And in a way, that, that was a positive because, you know, other guys were asked to do more on the court, and so that, that helped them gain experience. It helped them <clears throat> have success and failure. So they going into conference, you're that much better, and you're that much more able to, to make big plays when the game counts. Most teams, or at least a lot of teams anyway, are hitting the transfer portal hard. I think you guys hit a home run with uh, the, the players that you brought in. Just this, this first season, you had some others that were holdovers that were transfers. Uh, can you evaluate how that went for you? Was it better than expected? Well, recruiting is a huge emphasis in, in, in our program. Um, you know, we kind of look at it, we kind of look at our program with a few different lenses. Number one, we want to recruit the very best players we can. Evan Cole from Georgia Tech, I mean, he fit the description perfectly. He had had a significant role at Georgia Tech. And, you know, in watching the film, we said to ourselves, he, his game can expand, can continue to expand. And so he got here over the summer, and I think the thing that stood out about Evan was his work ethic. He always wanted to be in the gym shooting. He took care of himself. He got in the weight room. And so he's kind of an example of recruiting a high-level player and then putting a lot of work in on a player development uh, standpoint to, to continue to improve your game. You know, you, you probably don't see the gains on a day-to-day basis, but week-to-week, for a player that works, you're going to see major gains. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, recruiting is a huge part of it. We, we want to recruit the best high school players in the state of Utah. We want to recruit the best transfers we can find, and we want to put together a competitive team every year. So one of the guys that uh, you brought in, uh, Fardaz Amak, if I'm pronouncing his name right, averaging 15 rebounds per game, not just leading the country, but leading the country by a couple of rebounds per game. Now, for a guy who's playing with the Lakers and wasn't exactly, you know, the star player who had the shots run for him, or plays run for him to get the shots, because I guess Shaq and Kobe got a few more shots than you, uh, how much do you appreciate that? How much did you value that? How much did you know you were getting that when you went out to get him? Well, I think right when I took the job, you know, we, we sat down as a staff and we said, who's in the portal and who do we need to bring in? Because we had to bring in some players right away. And so as we, as we studied Fardaz, as we watched his tape, he was averaging about four or five rebounds in 13 minutes a game at Mercer. And so I watched the tape and I said, I, li- I liked everything I saw with Fardaz because I saw the soft hands. You know, I saw the speed, the agility. We brought him on a visit and at one point, uh, somebody threw him a, a lob pass. He caught it with one hand and, and laid it in. And I, I knew right away that, that Fardaz was special. But to lead the nation in rebounding by a huge margin, and, and by the way, some of the numbers that Fardaz is putting up rebounding-wise in terms of rebound percentage, the rate at which he's rebounding, have not been done in decades. Um, but he's done it through his hard work. He, he put the work in. Last year when he had to sit out, um, he was with Coach Phillips, Todd Phillips, who used to be at Salt Lake Community, working on his game almost every day, uh, film sessions, I mean, I mean everything. And, and his, his work has propelled him to the next level, and he's a huge part of the success that UVU has had this year. So you're going to get the uh, winner of uh, Rio Grande Valley, New Mexico State, 
you swept the Rio Grande Valley, and they had the tragedy with the coach. New Mexico State has been a power uh, around basketball, really, going back before the league, but we know that they've been a very good program. You split two close games with them. How do you handicap what's potentially ahead? Well, you have to prepare for both teams. Yesterday we brought the guys in. We watched a film breakdown on, on New Mexico State. We watched a film breakdown on UTRGV. And, and so you have to be ready for both. And in terms of uh, the on-court preparation, you, you know, you try to find those areas that apply to both teams. And, and in this case, there's probably two or three things that, that we're really going to focus on today and tomorrow for sure that, that apply equally to, to both possible opponents. And then, and then you drill in even more, and, and then you, you kind of get more specific with it, and you, you know, you, you have to, if you put in the preparation and the hard work early in the week, then when you get to that game, you can go out there with confidence, because you know that the preparation, the hard work, and the, and the due diligence is all done, and now you have to go out there and execute. So there have been a lot of things that have changed this year. Uh, we've seen some leagues still play home-and-home, home, but a lot of leagues have gone to play in two-games trip, cut down the travel and all that. Uh, obviously, recruiting has changed. There have probably been other changes along the way, more online classes. How much of this stuff is just kind of one-off for the pandemic and it'll go back to quote-unquote normal? And how much of this do you think is altering college basketball and is going to be the new way of doing things? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I'm sure, you know, around the country, a lot of budgets are down. A lot of athletic department budgets are down. And so the, the cost savings of playing a back-to-back are huge. Because you cut down on travel, you, have to, you, you, you don't have to switch hotels, fewer flights. But it, it does take a toll on the players. Um, you know, every coach wants to win. <laughs> and in back-to-backs in the NBA – you know, you have, you have a whole staff that's dedicated to the physiological performance and the load management is the buzzword in the NBA front office, load management. It, you know, in college, we don't have the load management experts. And so, you know, shoot, we played our top six or seven guys at times 25 to 35 minutes on back-to-back nights. That's hard to do. That, that, that's really, really hard to do, especially in college basketball, where in college basketball, every minute is, is played with the utmost intensity. Sometimes in the NBA, early in the game, the guys might be coasting a little bit just because there's so many games. But uh, I think it's about the well-being of the players um, on, the, on the scheduling standpoint. And then from the recruiting point of view, we still can't go out physically to recruit players. And now it's been pushed back till May 31st. And so that's been a challenge. And I think all of us are excited to get that window back open and get out there and, and be sitting down with these recruits face-to-face. I want to ask you a question as far as the psychological aspect of working the referees. And I wanted to relate it to what the Jazz went through last week. You know, they felt like they got jobbed against Philadelphia and Gobert and Mitchell come out with very, very strong post-game comments. They both get fined twenty and $25,000. You know, you played so many years in the NBA. Now you're a coach. Do you see benefit in what those players did, even with the fines that maybe could send the message, uh, we want more of a fair shake? (laughs) I think that's the age-old question for for a coach, for a player, because 
sometimes you want to get your point across. I'll never forget, I was playing for the Timberwolves, and we were up 30 points at, at Dallas. And the Dallas coach, who was Rick Carlisle at the time, he was so upset, he got thrown out. And, and uh, I remember talking to one of the refs, and the ref said, yeah, w- we made a few mistakes. Well, the calls shifted to Dallas, and they ended up winning that game. Really? You know, and we had been up 30 in the second quarter. But on the flip side, referees are humans too. And the people in Secaucus, the, the, the referee supervisors, they're human too. And, you know, I'll never forget another time on the court when in minute I was playing for the Timberwolves again, and some of the players, some of our players were jawing at the refs. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden the refs started jawing back at the players, which you never see. You, 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 in those days, you never saw the refs jawing back at the players. And then all of a sudden we started getting a bunch of horrible basketball calls. We, we started getting a bunch of really bad calls. And in my mind I'm thinking, hey, guys, refs are human too. If you go at the refs too much, sometimes it, it can get a little bit personal, and sometimes they might go back at you. You know, what we like to think of referees as being perfectly neutral, just like we think that, you know, print journalists and, and, and radio journalists are completely neutral, but everyone has a human side, yeah. you, you know, and so I don't have a good answer for it. So I don't know. <laughs> You know, you tell those stories, and it reminds me of Rudy Gobert going off a couple of years ago on the referees after a call went against him at the end of a game in Miami. And in the next game, with a different set of referees in a different city, he got called for a foul on the jump ball and got kicked out three <laughs> minutes into the game. Now, you have played and coached a lot of basketball. Have you ever seen a foul on the opening tip? I've, I've actually never seen that. Yeah, yeah. Rudy has. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough way to go out. That's a tough way to go out early in the game like that. Oh, man. Are you surprised with the just the advent of number of threes that teams take now? I mean, just from the time that you played, which is not that long ago, the, the, the radical differences that we've seen. Well, you know, I, I've seen, I haven't been able to follow the NBA as much as I want to because, uh, yeah. you know, we're busy. But I, but I have seen the headlines of the quantity and the accuracy of threes that the Utah Jazz are hitting. Uh, it's, it's record-setting, and, and in my mind, you know, I'm thinking to myself, how were the Warriors, how, how did the Warriors not set these records two and three years ago with the team that they had? But it's, it's, it's a compliment to the Jazz organization to realize that this is the way the game is going. Now, the interesting thing is, in college, we're not, it, it, it has hit the college game and it hasn't. You know, we, put, we basically played Grand Canyon this last weekend for the conference championship in terms of the regular season. And, uh, you know, we ended up tied. But they start two seven-footers. We start two 6'11 guys. You, you know, more traditional, a little bit more traditional to start two big guys. In the NBA, almost no one does that. And, and yet, you know, it's some college teams are doing that and having success. I think the shooters in the NBA are obviously the best in the world, and so it allows that the analytics philosophy to play itself out a little bit more. If you have seven guys on a roster that are shooting close or over 40%, well, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I wonder how quickly this is going to swamp you, though, because you are subject to the talent that's available. And PK and I have had some people on who are either ex-coaches or um, – 
you know, parents coaching, and they're telling, or in case of Steve Cleveland, grandparents, uh, and they're <laughs> saying that, like, if you watch 12- and 13-year-olds play, and I don't think you're scouting 12- and 13-year-olds, but he said, like, they don't, the, those kids aren't getting into the analytics where Quinn Snyder is saying eliminate the long two because here's your percentage and here's how many points you're going to score off ten possessions and look what you do at the lay look what you do at the rim look what you do at the line and look what you do at the three pointer if you want to score a lot of points so shoot from there but these twelve and thirteen year olds like they understand it and they want to shoot off the dribble because they see Steph Curry do it and so it's like the game is just evolving and and Steve has told us it's like at lightning speed and part of it is planned and organized and taught, but part of it is kids imitating what they see. So you may not be starting two seven-footers for long. I mean, if you get the talent, then you play it, and there's always something to be said for going against the grain and playing a different style. That can be hard for opponents. But at the same time, you're subject to the talent that's available. Well, and that's, and that's one of the big things that we talk about. If, if, if we could go out and recruit and have on this team six guys that shot 42% from three, that our style would be different. Mm-hmm. But going back to the Utah Jazz, They've almost done it perfectly on both sides of the ball. Okay, now, they still have to win it. I mean, you look at the Houston Rockets from four years ago where they were a three-point shooting machine. They missed, and you guys can correct me, I think they missed either 17 or 27 straight three-point shots against the Warriors. You guys remember that game? Yeah. Yeah, it it was terrible. It it, (laughs) It just unraveled. that's, That's the discussion that every NBA staff and every college staff this is talked about because the analytics department will go down to an NBA coaching office and say, shoot more threes. And so a lot of times it works, but then sometimes in the playoffs, sometimes it still works, but sometimes it doesn't because sometimes you have to get to the rim to get to the free throw line. As great a shot as the three point shot is analytically, if you're a 70% free throw shooter, which is okay, even if you're a 65% free throw shooter, from an analytics standpoint, that's almost equivalent to, to you know, and you can go through the math of a 40, 43% yep. three-point yeah. shooter. And so if you're, if you're shooting all the threes at the detriment of getting to the free throw line, that's a problem. And you're right, it was 27 straight missed threes for the Warriors in, or for the Rockets in Game 7 to take down the Warriors. Yeah. They got right there and couldn't do it. All right, well, Mark, hopefully you will get the right there and you will pull it off. We'll be watching the WAC tournament uh, to see how it works. You don't, you don't play until Friday because uh, you got to buy. It's a six-team tournament, and you'll be in the semis on Friday. Good luck with that, Mark, and thanks for coming on the air with us for a few minutes. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on it. And tell Randy Ray I said hello. He's done a great job up at Weber State. He's done a fantastic yep. job up there. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. Take care. See you. Bye. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. There is a lot of college basketball with the conference tournaments getting going. College football with Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver, moving from the University of Washington to BYU. We will talk with the former Orem Tiger coming up in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Our good friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Lay out some expectations for this Jazz team in the second half of the season. I don't see any reason to believe what they did in the first half isn't sustainable. Like everybody else, I'm going to be watching those marquee games, a Laker game at full strength, a Clippers game at full strength, to see how the Jazz measure up. But there's nothing that feels like an aberration there. I have the same expectations in the second half of the Jazz that we saw in the first. I don't expect any kind of crash to earth in the way they're playing. They're a well-constructed, well-coached team with the right kind of players to fit 
finish games. I think this Utah team is in a great position to get into the playoffs as the number one, number two seed. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you in part by The Warehouse. Join the Big Show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Well, we spent the 8 o'clock hour on college basketball. It's March Madness. It's uh, championship week with all the conference tournaments uh, going on. Uh, BYU's playing Gonzaga in their conference tournament final tonight. Other schools, the Utes are starting Wednesday. Randy Ray and the Wildcats, we had Randy Ray on, Weber State coach. They're starting Thursday. We just had Mark Matson on, UVU coach. Uh, they open up Friday because they got to buy into their semifinals. And... You know, it's, uh, it's certainly a weird year. In college basketball, it hasn't been as, uh, it hasn't had the pull in the community that it certainly had, you know, 20 years ago. Things change over time. Football's a bigger deal, and it's always a big deal. You know, when the Jazz are big, they command so much attention, and clearly the Jazz have it going right now. Uh, but PK, we've got five teams in the state that are seated number three or better. When you're a top three seed in your conference tournament, you're saying there's a chance. And they got a, a one seed in Southern Utah, three two seeds in Utah State and in UVU and in uh, BYU, and then a three seed in Utah State. So you've got five teams that have a pretty good chance here. Um, but it's football. It's football, and it's football. And we did talk a lot of football in the 7 o'clock hour. And you said something. Um, we were The question of the day is up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. The Nakuas are coming. The Nakuas are coming. We're going to talk with Puka Nakua in the next segment. New transfer. Wide receiver from uh, former Orem Tiger who went to Washington. He's up there for two years. He's going to BYU. His brother Samson is leaving Utah as a grad transfer to go to BYU as well. And it was... It was you know there's a lot of stuff about yeah they're coming because BYU had a great year but they had a great year because of the schedule and you said well you can put a lot of stuff on the schedule and you pointed out but Zach Wilson it you know we were talking when he, when we were reading mock drafts saying the NFL thinks he's a top ten and we got a lot of pushback from fans like there is no way he's a top ten well then he became a top five and I'm every mock draft I see now has him at number two uh, people think the Jets have locked in on him. And The Athletic has a story this morning, PK. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're going to love this. Um, and it's written by uh, Bruce Feldman, who's written for multiple websites over time. He's written, in, uh, he's written about football for just years and years. And obviously he knows a lot of coaches and GMs and get quotes from And he's got this quote, one opposing coach. And they always quote these people anonymously because you, you can't tamper and you can't talk about guys yet and all that stuff. One opposing coach said, quote, Zach Wilson reminds me a lot of Mahomes. Russell Wilson and some of Patrick Mahomes in his ability to throw from all angles. And see, that's what you were saying. Like that doesn't go to strength of schedule. You know, if you're throwing on the move accurately, you can throw on the move accurately. I mean, if you bounce at a guy's feet, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, right? If you hit him in the numbers, you can hit him in the numbers regardless of who the opponent is. And it's thrown from all the arm angles, and when you're scrambling and the pocket's breaking down, and they value that stuff big time. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that Zach Wilson is going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay, you do too, but thanks for that. <laughs> I think you think there's a lot of doubt about that. It seems like if you just stick to the number one and number two draft picks and you go back and give it a good sample size, you know, go back 20, 25 years. Seems like it's about 50-50 that you're a good starting quarterback. And I mean, you'll start some games because 
you know, your high pick, you're going to get your chance. Uh, but as far as a good starting pick who has a good run of games, uh, it seems about 50-50. So Hall of Fame's the slam dunk? Thanks, PK. <laughs> I think Zach Wilson, man, the roof is the ceiling. Nice. The ceiling. Keep him coming. You're on fire. <laughs> Way to go, MJ. I think he that quote really will age good. well. That'll be a good it quote will. in ten years. It will. Yeah. I mean, I've known guys who've known him for years, and they told me, and so far they're right. Now they didn't tell me he'd be a great NFL quarterback, but they told me the kids got it. And guys that I trust, guys that I know and I've known for a number of years now, <clears throat> have told me about it. Guys who don't tell me stuff. Unless they really, really believe it. And uh, whom, whom I consider offensive experts, really. So I'm not really surprised what he did at BYU. In fact, I'm not surprised at all based on what they told me. And I'm a believer in this kid. And I have been a believer for a number of years. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And we don't know. Got to make sure we say that I say that. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's a very, very good NFL quarterback. Okay. And we can all say that, but we're on the radio and we get to say a lot of stuff. And you love this when you're talking about, I picked that game. Like, show me the ticket. I grew up in Jersey with people who gamble. If you didn't put money on it, you don't have a ticket. Eh, great. You picked a game. Great. Good for you. Now, right. you have the ticket. Exactly. And it's the same thing with radio. Like, we can say a lot of stuff, but an NFL GM... I mean, you botch a high draft pick and a quarterback, that sets you back three or four years, and GMs can be out after five. It's not like every GM who blows a high pick on a quarterback gets fired, but a fair number of them do, and you don't know for sure how it's going to play out when you make a pick. You know, if you're somewhere and you're established and you've won a lot, uh, good for you. You can survive it, you know. But (laughs) nobody wins a lot with the Jets. The Jets are going to I can't who's the Jets GM right now? I can't tell you off the top of my head. I'd have to look at who is it? Have you seen that quote? Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas. Uh Weeb Weeb Bank, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jets won one Super Bowl <laughs> fifty years ago, fifty plus years ago. And Weeb Bank was their coach, people, for those of you who don't know. That hey, was I was at school. the parade, man. You, I lived back there. <laughs> you were at the parade. I've never heard that story. You're making that up. Did they even have a parade? True. I don't know. (laughs) All right. We're going to talk with Puka Nakua next. More football on the way. Why is he transferring? What are his expectations? Why did he leave in the first place? Puka Nakua on the way. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver from the University of Washington, scheduled to join us here in this segment. Talking a little college football this morning as the Transfer window. <laughs> what does it do, PK? It uh, giveth and it taketh? Yeah, I think we're, I think we're just going to ride that thing into the ground. <laughs> we are just going to ride that quote. That is the quote. And that's just how things work, and it's really different than how things worked five years ago, which is different than how things worked ten years ago. And I'm expecting this to just accelerate And in another five years. You know, here's the one quote that Kyle said. And, you know, you say something and it's true at the time, but how long is it true for? Remember when he told us and everybody who would listen 
that the February signing day, which had been a huge thing, was going to be surpassed pretty quickly by the December signing day. It, it was, that was the way the trend was going to go, and it was going to go quickly. And he was right, but it seems like the transfer window is going to end up trumping that signing window. If you're getting your starting quarterback and your starting running back out of the transfer window, and this is a relatively new trend, I mean, where, where's this thing going? Well, I don't know if that's going to be consistent, though. That's a time-to-time thing, I think. <clears throat> and Hope so. Recruiting is going to be a yearly thing, and getting the best players out of high school is always going to be the foundation, I believe. Now, you're going to augment that based on circumstances. So, if, say for the Utes, they've gotten, what, uh, three, four quarterbacks that have been transfers the last couple years? Mm -hmm. Well, is that not exclusively, but largely because Tuttle didn't pan out? Well, that's not a bad argument to make. I mean, if Tuttle pans out... You're probably still getting guys that are looking for a chance to play, uh, but right, certainly. I can't rule it out. But I can look at individual guys that they've gotten, and I mean, if, if you're all that at Baylor and Tuttle's the starting quarterback, you're not coming here. You're going somewhere where there's a vacancy because someone didn't pan out, or someone's injured, or they went all in on a guy and then he just didn't sign. You know, or uh, he was a senior and he left. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I would scale it back. Do I think they probably would have gotten? I mean, over the years, they've gotten guys who've come in to be backup quarterbacks. Well, um, it's also timing, too. Sure. Yes. If, if, Absolutely. If, if Tuttle had panned out, he would be a junior this year and say he was all that. You would think, all right, he's probably going to go to the NFL. Where And so if I'm Cam Rising and say I'm coming out this year, this year I'm looking to transfer this year. Well, I go there, learn the system for a year, and then I got a legitimate shot. So that's I think that's circumstantial. And to a degree with the high school kids, it's also circumstantial. I mean, uh, uh, Jalen Johnson comes here for Utah because he knows they lost all their DBs. Clark Phillips decommits from Ohio State, knows they lost all their DBs. And not just lost all their DBs, lost all their DBs to the NFL. So they know what they're doing as far as uh, Morgan and Sharif Shaw and Kyle. They know what an NFL DB looks like. Absolutely. If they only know one thing for football, it's what an NFL DB looks like because they've put so many of them in there. So you get this kid who's going to come to Utah. Johnson's going to come to Utah because of the opportunity. Clark Phillips is going to come to the opportunity. So it's not like high school recruiting isn't somewhat uh, circumstantial too. Uh, to whatever the particular circumstances are. you know, I mean, that's why the Devils get Jaden Daniels, right? Because the quarterback job was wide open. He knew yeah. full well, all I got to do is beat out this one dude and I'm going to play for three years, maybe four years, depending on how, you know, if he's good enough to go to the NFL or not. So that factors in too. So I think it's all in together. But the point is that the transfer portal is vital. It is a vital aspect of recruiting. And you would be a fool and negligent not to be all in on that. And and Mark Pope has talked about how his assistants look at that thing every single day. Yep. It's the only, it's the only way to get guys. You got to get out in front. So you got to keep keep checking it. That is recruiting now. And we spoke to Larry Kristobiak yesterday and I asked him about the challenges of 
re-recruiting, and you have to do that too. So the time of you getting somebody, I can remember one time I'm talking to Donnie Daniels, and and I've actually I've known him for a long time, and the word was out that they were really in on Andre Miller, right? So I'm talking to him before he is uh, Andre's getting ready to he's ma- hasn't made his commitment yet, and. I told Donnie, I said, hey, let me know, because they, they would be good about, hey, you need to call this kid. And that meant the kid committed, right? And, and BYU and Utah had done that. They had established a relationship with the guys. And he said to me, he said, oh, you won't have to call me. I said, I said excuse me, I won't have to call you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, because if Andre Miller commits to us, you will hear a loud scream resonate throughout the whole Salt Lake Valley. (laughs) And that will mean we got Andre Miller. Well, the point I'm making is once you got Andre Miller, Andre Miller was locked into your program for four years. That's not the way it is anymore. Nobody really is locked in for four years. You you just don't know. So you have to re-recruit your recruits. So recruiting, in some respects, it's easier now. But it's also never been harder because you got to recruit your own guys that you already have in your program to make sure everything is kosher with them and they want to stay. It's a crazy world, but nevertheless, it's the reality of the world, and you have to be all over it and make sure you know what you're doing there. It's much as we hate the word culture because it gets overused. It's an easy cliche to throw out there. It's an easy thing to say, especially when you're new. I think when you're established, it's crucial. And I think Randy Ray kind of touched on that uh, an hour ago. And it's, it's, uh, his point was it's really accentuated. You really have to underline it this year uh, because guys can't be going to class on campus, can't be walking across campus. They're not friends with athletes in other sports or they're not meeting people who aren't athletes and that because they're just they're, they're in a little mini bubble. They're out of the dorms where they might meet other kids, they interact with them, they are in an apartment. And we know in these football facilities, these guys spend a lot of time there. The treatments, the weightlifting, the film sessions, both as a group and then individual little extra work yourself, plus obviously the practices. Uh, You know, if you don't have that culture and guys don't get along and they just wear each other out, uh, guys aren't going to want to be there. And guys are going to be into the transfer portal in a heartbeat. They should spend a lot of time there because they're basically five-star hotels without <laughs> the beds. They're pretty high-end. They're pretty nice. I mean, they've, they've built these things uh, several million dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. So that's where you're supposed to be for your time as a, uh, a college football, whatever it is, a college football athlete, whatever, you know, basketball. and I mean, they all got them now. Everybody's got them. And they're a dime a dozen, except they don't cost a dime. <laughs> <laughs> dime a dozen. <laughs> they're they're ten million a dozen. It's not a dime. No, I mean literally every program has them, yeah. and they've got football. They've got multiples. Well, Scotty G told the story of going into the Texas Tech uh, when he was down there for basketball, and obviously knows Matt Wells. And uh, and he was this is really nice and Matt's like actually they're planning a new one. <laughs> got it. It's no secret. It's on the drawing boards. It's happening. Yeah, and they have them at some of the the, the high schools in the Canyons District. They're remodeling a lot of the uh, high schools. They're building basically they're building a new campus on the campus. They they're just rearranging stuff, 
and uh, the, the high schools around here, and I've been to a couple of them. Wow. If uh, I have not been, you, you apparently have gotten a tour, and you know you you know a teacher in the district pretty well, so you have access. But just driving past Hillcrest and Brighton, the construction yeah. is obvious, and I just know from driving down the street and looking over, like everybody else. Well, yeah, I got a, a child that goes to to Brighton, and uh, they've got a field house, and it's beautiful. It, it absolutely is just amazing what uh, these facilities are available now to these kids. And great, I'm all for it, man. Bro, you know, at the high school level, get as many kids as involved as you can, and it's all about playing the odds, you know, to raise good kids and all that stuff, and all of us benefit. And so, if they, you know, there's all sorts of statistics and research. If a kid is involved in this group or that group or this group, mm-hmm. they're going to be involved in a group, right? No doubt about it. Just so that group, group, what kind of mentoring? Yeah. What kind of older yeah. kids are they? Uh, what kind of uh, Adults are they? What are their goals? How they exactly. been, have they been educated? What kind of things are they saying and putting into kids' minds? Yes. You so know, and it's, and it's all over the, the map. It's not, it's not this binary good-bad thing. It's all over the map. Yeah. yeah. And there are tremendous uh, facilities, and I've been to multiple now with uh, kids. In a, you know, my, my, my old lady's a teacher. Yesterday was Women's Day, National Women's Day. Let me tell you, man. I told her, I said, you could decide what we're eating tonight. <laughs> How about that? You do this just because you're bored, don't you? <laughs> do what? Uh, elevate don't, and promote don't. and respect and recognize <laughs> women? Yes, I do. Guilty as charged. Okay. <laughs> In case you're wondering, uh, Puka Nakua has not answered his phone right now. So if you know Puka and you get a reaction out of him, get him to answer his phone, then we'll pop him on the air. Yak's a little frustrated right now. It'll be okay, Yak. I've had this problem before. It'll work out. I know, but I just talked to him last night. And I know. He told me exactly what time he wanted to do it. So, All right. Well, keep calling. Keep calling. Because I'd love to hear from him. He's I'll got a great personality it. like his brother, and he's got great talent. And this is a significant addition or additions to a BYU's program. It's you, important. And you know, you know what? It's symbolic, too, because and – I, and I think BYU coaches have talked about this for a while there – it just wasn't cool to be a BYU football player, and it wasn't cool to go to BYU football. And Kalani needs to bring that back, uh, especially here among our kids in the community who are probably going to have, to one degree or another, at least a mild, if not a strong interest in the program uh, for religious reasons or other reasons too. And uh, you, you can get, if you, you can't, it just can't be for religious reasons because you can get that anywhere uh, to an extent. And it needs to be cool to, to, yeah, play for BYU football. And Utah clearly has surpassed that. It's cool to be a Utah football player, Pac-12, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And the cool factor has to be restored to BYU football. And it's got to be a place where you want to go because they need you and you need them and you're going to have a great experience. And I think having a – I think it's symbolic to have two P5 players at P5 schools want to come to BYU. I think that I think that the message that that sends is is powerful and it can help. That's why it was a genius move by Tom Homo and the administration to to forge ahead with as many games as possible 
this past season. And I don't necessarily give a crap the level of competition. It's the opportunity. And we just had Randy Ray, and he must have spoke about being grateful just to play the game probably (laughs) ten times. Right. Well, he had that stretch where they just couldn't seem to get on the court. And so when you've had it taken away, we we always talk about when you have something taken away from you, you value and savor it even more. And he was, you know, probably grateful, I don't know, three years ago. Uh, But it's just, it's heightened uh, after everything they went through the last three months. Uh, I think as far as making BYU cool, I think there's several, not a couple, PK, not a couple things. I think there's several things coming together that are making it cooler. And everything's always in flux. So who's to say there aren't several things that will, uh, will wreck that burgeoning image in the next few months? Or maybe several things that will enhance it. You know, there's constantly new information. But I think there, the program generated a little momentum um, because they, they kind of got their own guys and got into their own thing. You know, a couple of years ago, they beat Tennessee and then they beat USC. And you can say what it, and then they beat Boise State when the, when the Broncos only had one loss. And there were other losses that diminished those, right? And they, they messed up the games at Toledo and Hawaii and South Florida and that. But it was still like, hey, we can win big games. Now we got to be more consistent. Now they're more consistent the next year. Obviously, the schedule wasn't as tough. They didn't have USC on it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But boy, they really took it to Boise State. Now they're sending guys to the NFL. So whether you want to be a highly ranked team, whether you want to be in the NFL, whether you want to beat USC on ABC at 1.30 in the afternoon, you know, now the coaching staff can recruit and say, you want that? Well, we did it right here. You want it? did it right here. Now, if you're a Ute or an Aggie fan, you're going to say, yeah, we'll do it all at once. These are all kind of one-offs, and you have your moments, but can you really do it? You know, this season with a new quarterback probably isn't the best time to try and do it, but, man, they're opening with three Pac-12 schools if you do it now. And the thing is, you look forward in the, in the coming seasons, the, those games are now always there. The early days of independence, those schedules are a thing of the past. So if they can put it all together, and it may be, what I was talking about with, with Utah and with Winningham, there's clearly three-year cycles. And maybe BYU's going into another cycle and has to build up to it. But at least they've got a track record, and the coaches couldn't go out and say, we can do this. Whatever this is, put a guy in the NFL, win these big games, win big intersectional games, have the crowd storm the field at home, uh, be nationally ranked, now they can say they can do it. So that cool factor you're talking about, it's building. It's an individual thing. You always talk about, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want, but you can't control how it's received. You know, you're trying to get a message out there, but what message do people really absorb? But the more they have these moments, and the more they have these experiences, you get a better idea what some 17-year-old will be absorbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, success on the field goes a long way. Clearly. You can be as cool as you want, but you, you got to be able to back it up, and you got to have a track record. And what are they sending six guys to the NFL Combine this year? That that's great. And if NFL, uh, you got to talk about the NFL. You got to embrace the NFL because that's what kids want. Kids want to play in the NFL. Obviously, they want to. Uh, there's very few of them. Uh, even if they know that they don't have a chance, at least let they, let them dream about it. And there's a lot of kids who think they do have a chance, man. And they think it's. It's going to work out. Now the dreams fall hard, and it becomes uh, very difficult. 
especially when you've been told how great you are, particularly at the quarterback position, and it doesn't work out as far as the NFL goes, which most of the time it won't work out, actually. You know, this is uh, going to be BYU's first NFL quarterback. Max Hall got a little bit of a taste, and then John Beck, but there is nobody in between, I don't believe, unless I'm missing somebody. So the reality is it's not going to be an NFL situation for you, but when you're all this, I'm sure Conover's thinking NFL. I mean, he was top dog in Arizona. Why wouldn't he think about NFL? Uh, and you got to show that these guys can have this opportunity to get there. So you need to embrace that from a recruiting standpoint. That should be the goal. I mean, Calipari talks about that all the time. That, he, In fact, he talks about that to the point of uh, it's not even really about winning games in college. It's about getting these guys to the NBA. Because that's their goal, and he does that very well. They're sucking this year, obviously, but overall he's done that extremely well. There's so many Kentucky dudes in the NFL, and that just feeds off of itself. So if Nakua can come here, uh, speaking of Puka, and have a couple of really good seasons and then go on to the NFL, that's a big-time bonus. Look what we did for him because you know he wasn't getting the ball a whole lot really hasn't rocked. And we just had Yogi Roth on uh, last week talking about, well, if if Puka could uh, develop like he was expected and intended, that would be a huge plus for Washington. Well, it it turns out it's not going to be at Washington, but he still has the opportunity to develop as expected. Now BYU can benefit from that, and then they can use that in recruiting and be able to – to hopefully for them and their sake continue to cash in on it. That's what it's all about. Recruiting is such a constant, nonstop sales job. All right, we're going to take a break right now. Yach will continue to call Puka, and maybe something held him up for a few minutes, but he's not answering right now. If we can get him on in the next segment, we'll do it. If not, Yach will spend the rest of the day trying to reschedule him for tomorrow. The life of a radio producer, huh, Yak? Good times, good times. All right, well, hopefully we'll track Puka down and get him next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You know, this spring has been so exciting, like my first time in competition with the other quarterbacks. And it's just been so excited to be to be finally into it. You know, last year I was getting home from my mission, working on the scout team, and that was a blast. I'm, I enjoyed every moment. But now it's now it's time to shine and just rock and roll. That's BYU quarterback Jacob Conover right there. A battle for the BYU starting quarterback job with Zach Wilson off to the NFL, possibly, probably, as the number two pick to the Jets. But what's going to happen at BYU? Who's going to win the job? And then PK, I think also we got to look at who finishes second because we know that the, a lot of teams like to split the snaps 70-30, 80-20 with a backup, but the third stringer doesn't get much. And when you're number two, we know injuries are a big part of football, so who's second string could matter a lot because as we found out at the U just, just a few months ago, hey, you can be number two and one quarter into the season, you can be the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
who knows? <laughs> I don't. I, what what's ahead? Uh, really, third team for that matter. I mean, you have to go into it with the idea of that. First of all, right now, that you're competing all out to win a job, and then if you don't win it, it's a blow. But it's it's not really a fatal blow by any stretch uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Hall has had multiple concussions. Romney. Uh, well, Romney was third Rom- string two years f- ago and got to play, right? Didn't he have a foot injury, Romney? Did he have a foot injury? Something, something. Yox saying hamstring. Okay. I knew it was some type of uh, involved running and whatnot. So, yeah, those things can happen. And the pressure to win is great, too, especially for BYU right out of the chute, you know, because of their scheduling. This is a massive season for the Cougars uh, because you look at them with the with the big-time season yep. last year, and now they're going to have five Pac-12 schools. And that that's a significant chunk. That's a great schedule in terms of interest for the fans because uh, they like Pac-12 opponents. We all do. There's there's some there's an identifiable uh, attraction to them, and so many of the kids are from the West, and you know that's where we as uh, we look. You know, it doesn't matter that BYU or Utah is in the conference. Now that they're in the conference, it adds to it. But even if they weren't, it was oh, it's always been that way play a Pac-12 school, and you're playing five of them this season. That's a huge chunk. That's basically a divisional schedule, right? Everybody plays five divisional games, and then you have the crossover games. And they're they're playing, and we're more familiar with the South than the North because Utah plays those teams all the time, and they're playing four of the six schools in the South. They they do have Washington State from the North, but that's awesome. Yeah, Utah and USC and both Arizona schools. They're missing UCLA and uh, Colorado. Yeah, that's great. And so you have an opportunity to really back up because if you come out of that uh, four and one, say, I don't know that you can, but I'm just throwing that out there, that really backs up what you did last year. I mean, you got Yogi Roth saying there's no way the Pac-12, he said there's no way we can go two and three against BYU. That was a quote. I thought it was striving for relevance. I thought it was a great quote because there's so many games, there's so many stories, there's so many conferences that uh, both regionally and nationally, you know, when you're local, you can really bore in on something and really dive deep into it. But it's going; they're going to be looking for easy handles, um, you know, quick reference points for how a league is doing. And Yogi is right. I think he's because he's worked there, because he's been in football and he's been in media and he's seen it from both sides. If someone's looking to downgrade the Pac-12 and they're looking for an easy hook, if they're to you know his three and two or your four and one there, if that's what BYU does, flash forward a few months when someone's talking about the top team in a in a playoff, even if the top team is one that's not on BYU's schedule. You know, Oregon and Washington aren't on the schedule. Stanford isn't. UCLA. And these teams blow up. It'll be like, yeah, but that league's not that good. And now they're going to look for reference points. And if they can say BYU went 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one against the league, or, or go ahead, Cougar fans, say 5-0 and oh if you want. If they can say any of those things, they will all be used to define the Pac-12. He's 100% right about that. Would BYU take 1-4 and four if that one was against Utah? <laughs> 
Uh, I, I think at least sig- half of the fan base. I think I think I was I was saying it's going to be sixty or seventy percent. That's s- a heck of a poll question for tomorrow, PK. We might need to bust it's out a, a poll 50 question. Sixty percent. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that ending that youth streak. You know, they're not at the point where they're going to say, "Hey, we'll go one and eleven as long as the one is Utah." There's been too much winning, not just last year, but the last couple of years. Um, and the thing is that the Utes are good enough that if you beat the and we don't know exactly how good they are, but they've been good enough for long enough now that if you beat the Utes, you're going to beat a lot of teams on your schedule because you're going to yeah, have to probably be won't good. happen. I agree. Right. You know, they're not going to be. Uh, I mean, they've got Idaho State, obviously, and Georgia Southern at the end of the year. Um, but I mean, if you beat the Utes, I got to believe you're going to be a, you're going to have a winning record, you know, and you might be really setting yourself up for nine and three. Which, if they could back up last year with a nine and three with this schedule, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just, oh yeah, yeah. Because they, they got a little momentum from two years ago. They got a lot of momentum from last year. Do you back it up again? It, it's it's the question. The question. Well, I don't think that uh, nine and three season is a bad season in, under most circumstances. You know, maybe for SC or whatnot. But if Utah goes nine and three this season, that means. Uh, most likely three and zero, six and three. That's pretty good for me. I, I think that's a good season. It may not get you what you're looking for, ultimately, but it's not. It's not bad. I, and actually, I think it's. I well, feel it's, even a little bit loose saying it's not bad because I think it's pretty good. <laughs> well, especially if you're nine and three and you're bringing key guys back. You know, and it starts with is the coaching staff coming back, and you got to back it up with is the quarterback coming back, and then you can look at other key impact guys. Yeah, um, but either way, even if you're not, it helps you in recruiting. Oh, absolutely, it does. So right. it's it's never it's never a bad thing. It may not right. be the best thing. It may not be the ultimate goal, but I have a hard time saying if either of these schools or Utah State and uh, put them in that category. If they went and they play eight conference games, but uh, if they went nine and three, I think that's a pretty doggone good season, man. I mean, we're not Clemson and Alabama or Ohio State over here, uh, and that 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 gives not in my mind nine and three gives you momentum, or it helps you keep momentum pushing forward. And you're probably going to have some guys off that team are going to leave through graduation or NFL or whatever it might be. But you still have the opportunity to keep momentum going, and that and that's I think Utah has momentum. I don't really care what happened last season; it was too funky. But I think they have momentum, and if they went nine and three this season, that would continue momentum. And BYU has it, but they don't have it as much as Utah has it. So it's more important for them in terms of the momentum aspect to cash in on this season. To me, the Utes have had enough good seasons now that they're more of a proven product. BYU is not as proven. And Utah State, with a coaching change and now three coaches in two years, I don't know what to expect on that. That's not conducive to any form of continuity, which is what you need to have success and I'm going to allow this Anderson an opportunity to build something. So I'm not going to crack on him uh, too strong this year because he's just brand new coming from Arkansas all the way out to Logan, Utah. So 
logic dictates to me you got to have some opportunity to develop a program here. Yeah, it wasn't rolling. You're not replacing a coach who left because he got a better job, and a lot of things are in place. Right. Clearly, right. there's so, some there's some lifting and building to be done there. Yes, so, and so they, you got to allow them to do it before you make any right. big pronouncements. And now that doesn't mean they go two and nine. I'm not saying that either, but uh, I'm not. If, if 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 Utah State goes six and six, seven and five, uh, you know that you can build some momentum off of that this first season. And then, as I said earlier, I think in the last segment, uh, you do, uh, a program that you're trying to establish or continue a lot of it is a sales job what's the perception of your program well clearly uh utah the perception is very strong under kyle a lot of frustration you know that they lose receivers they don't throw the ball like they should blah 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 blah. i get all that and that's that's all legitimate but still the perception of the utah program is it's very strong and they are having this opportunity to continue that momentum. BYU, uh, you know, if they can follow this up this season, then I think their momentum can be surging. If they follow up with a very solid season this year off of last year, then, yeah, I'm willing to say that their momentum is surging. Well, Kyle's had a six-year run set aside the pandemic season because you can't average nine wins in a season when you're only playing five games. But he had a six-year run where they basically averaged nine and four. That was the average season over six years, and somewhere a little better. You know, they had their eleven-win season, and they had a seven and six too. But that's basically who they've been. So they've got six years of credibility. Whereas BYU basically has two exciting years under their belt, and one was still, you know, they they had the big wins, but they just didn't have the consistency. Uh, and then then you know, last year pumped everybody up. So. Now can and they, they make had it Taysom three years. too. I forgot about Taysom. He's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, you know, uh, and Kalani's first year. As you said, I don't. I don't really consider that a Kalani uh, program produced quarterback. That's what I was going. I didn't name him. I was talking about how you have your that was that was a Bronco produced quarterback. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. And Zach is a Kalani produced quarterback. You can't argue that. And that's what you can build on. Okay, look, we took this kid here and we made him, or he made himself, but was in concert with each other. He got to the NFL under us. Taysom got to the NFL under Bronco, basically, is the way I see that. Well, Kalani coming in with Taysom, 9-4, and four, and he doesn't really get full credit for it. I mean, it goes on his record. But then you go 4-9, and 7-6, 7-6, 11-1. and It's an easy sales pitch to go out and say, we're building something. You just have to go out this year and make sure you have something. <laughs> You're building oh, yeah. something. They, they get nine wins sure this season. Yeah. Their momentum is surging. Because you're going to do a new quarterback. And it wasn't just a Zach Wilson. You didn't, you didn't just uh, lightning struck. And you got this great quarterback who developed, and yeah, you took off, and good on him, but that was something that I don't know that you can plan. If they follow it up with nine wins this coming season with a new quarterback, whoever it is, even though the quarterbacks have all been in the program, it's still a new quarterback in terms of being a full-time starter, that allows you to surge and really put yourself in a great, great position, as as far as I see it. And, uh, you know, I would love to see them do it. There's only one game that I hope they don't win this year. ASU, game three. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Idaho State. I've always been a big sky guy. 
<laughs> Going back to your lumberjack days. I'm, a, I'm an original Big Sky guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other things we talked about this morning, BYU, well, uh, Mark Pope talks about beautiful, ugly. It was an ugly game with Pepperdine. If you didn't see it, I can't even discuss how the turnovers, the whistles, the 49 fouls, uh, the lack of flow to the game, the poor shot selection, the 21 turnovers. Uh, we can go on and on about things that are wrong with that game, and there's a long list of them. The things that were right with that game, Mark Pope wanted to emphasize, we won. 82-77 in overtime. Heck of a comeback. Uh, down 10. Those final uh, six or seven minutes, really strong. The defense had been really pretty porous. Uh, and Pepperdine had a long dry spell there and uh, was fortunate to hit a shot and get to overtime where BYU controlled overtime and won. So they play Gonzaga tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. The 25-0 Zags against a 20-5 BYU team. Well, I was thinking of this. Uh, is this like uh, U.S. hockey? Do you believe in miracles type thing? If they were to pull this off? Yes, but I don't. And neither do you. And the thing is, okay. it's not for the ultimate prize. It would be cool to take Gonzaga down, but whatever happens tonight, if BYU can find a way to win two tournament games and get to the Sweet 16, and we don't know what the tournament's going to look like. Randy Ray was just giving us the protocol on the Big Sky tournament earlier that, you know, basically they're just going to have to forfeit games and move on. You know, if a team has positive tests, they're going to have to get out of the bubble so that they don't have other teams okay, so at the that tournament. Doesn't that, doesn't that increase the importance of tonight's game? If you win it, it's awesome. You take down the undefeated team. Uh, But they've beaten really good Gonzaga teams before, and I think we all think this is the best Gonzaga team, right? So this would be bigger. This is better. Would you trade a win? Okay, this goes right back to what you said about BYU fans. Would they lose four Pac-12 football games if they got the one win against Utah and snapped the streak? I kind of think they make that trade. But do you want the Sweet 16 more, or do you want to beat Gonzaga? I think you want the Sweet 16 more. Ooh, I don't know about that, especially if Gonzaga goes and wins the whole thing. And, and that's the their only, only blemish. And you beat Gonzaga. You'd be the talk of the town of college basketball. You'd be the talk of college basketball exclusively for three days. But see, would the story be how good BYU is? The story is Gonzaga lost. They're not really made for the tournament. And they just gloss right over BYU. No, I'm saying if they it. go ahead and win it all, though. That's my whole point. If they go, I just said if they go ahead and win it all. Then that'll be the story, not the fact that BYU beat them. There's 16 teams. Yeah, but okay, from Gonzaga's perspective, but from BYU's perspective, we put the only blemish on the national, uh, the winner Mark, of the tournament? Mark Pope will bring that up in recruiting if that's the way it plays out. That'll be brought up. And look, we've beaten them two years in a row. Look what we did. We gave them their own, and they win it all, which is very much conceivable. Now, I don't think BYU's going to win tonight, but if they did, and Gonzaga goes on and wins, and uh, they're 25-0, and 0, so that would be 31-1. and 1. There's, if you go to the Sweet 16, there's 16 teams who will accomplish that same feat, but be the only team that beat Gonzaga? Ooh, man, that would be impressive. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
Our good friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Lay out some expectations for this Jazz team in the second half of the season. I don't see any reason to believe what they did in the first half isn't sustainable. Like everybody else, I'm going to be watching those marquee games, a Laker game at full strength, a Clippers game at full strength, to see how the Jazz measure up. But you know, there's nothing that feels like an aberration there. I have the same expectations in the second half of the Jazz that we saw in the first. I don't expect any kind of crash to earth in the way they're playing. They're a well-constructed, well-coached team with the right kind of players to finish games. I think this Utah team is in a great position to get into the playoffs as the number one, number two seed. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your feedback. All the stuff you've been saying about today's show. Greg tweeting at us. Has anyone checked to see if Puka and Samson are at an Iggy somewhere? hey I don't think Iggy's exists anymore, right? I, I, if there's a location open, I don't know about it. The ones I know, uh, there's one in Midvale that's closed. There's one downtown that's closed. Hey, hey! Let's do it. Yuck! Let's go. You feel pretty good, Yuck? Just got go. Pook, you just got Pook on the line. Let's do it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Puka Nakua, former Orem High Tiger, Washington Husky, announcing on social media that he wants to go to BYU and play football for the Cougars next season. Puka, good morning. Good morning, man. I don't I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but we met a while back when I was at Orem at the Summer Award Show, and you guys gave me a yes, shout out on, we the, do. on the radio station for sure. And I totally, I mean, I have, my grandma still listens to this radio station. I haven't been out because obviously I've been out here, but <laughs> I'm excited. I'm Puka, excited that was one of my career highlights. Was pre- that was one of my career highlights presenting you with that award. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I remember <laughs> that for sure because I remember I was like, "Hey, I really listen to you guys every morning with my grandma." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we referenced it uh, earlier this morning, uh, talking to you, uh, talking to you backstage, because that's just a phrase that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, we were talking backstage. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, Puka. There's a lot of interest. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in you when you were at Orem High, making a lot of big plays, and you disappointed everybody by going to Washington. The Ute fans wanted you there. The Cougar fans wanted you there. Now you're coming back to BYU. Take us through this. Obviously, you didn't want to go to the Y right away, or you would have. You want to go to Washington. When does it occur to you, maybe I would like to go to the Y? What triggers that? Why do you start thinking that? When do you start thinking that? And where do things go? Um, honestly, just with the year that it's been, with the COVID season and stuff, uh, it, was ni- it was nice to be home for the time that it was and then coming back out with our season and stuff. And then with each <laughs> – conference having its own kind of rules and stuff it was it was weird to watch some teams play a, a bunch of games and that's not a good slot and then obviously watching BYU play I mean Zach Wilson was my seven on seven quarterback and I know I mean growing up in Provo I know a good amount of guys on the team so seeing like the hometown succeed it, it was it was nice for kids to for people to hear about Provo and stuff like that so it was it was definitely exciting to see them ball but uh some family issues Always, always want to be close to mama and grandma. So, uh, being home is there's nothing like it for sure. But it's watching the season that the Cougs had last year definitely made my interest spark more and more. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. We saw Dak Dax Mill. 
go for over 1,000 yards and just now he's going to enter the draft. And he's a former walk-on. I don't know if you knew him. I know he's uh, buddies with Fajoko, and they're working out here, getting ready for the draft. When you saw that, how much did that play into your factor to uh, want to come to BYU? That was pretty. Too, that was pretty big too. I know Dax. Uh, we played against each other in high school too when he was at Bingham. Uh, but it was it was pretty cool to see his success story and his grind and be able to watch him succeed. And then just another. It's just. It was light. It was light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that it's, it's possible to be done. And I would, like, there, the future is bright for the Cougs, and they're getting ready to throw the ball. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm curious. Did you tell Samson, "Hey, I'm thinking about this. How about you do it too?" Or was he the one who said, "Hey, I'm thinking about this. Why don't you do it?" It seems unlikely to me that you both came to this conclusion independently, and were surprised to find the other guy showing up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did. It wasn't the plan when uh, he got in the portal, but it, as things kind of slowly progressed, and it kind of it seemed like the opportunity presented itself for us to play together, which I I avoided in high school by going to Orem, so I I couldn't miss out on this chance again to play with him. It was definitely a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I knew Mama would be happy to wear the same jersey for once. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, how much do you know Aaron Roderick? He's going to be calling the plays, obviously, for BYU. Um, a little bit. Sam, Sam was the Sam was the plug for that one. He, uh, Coach Roderick was there when Sam was at Utah, and he built yeah. a good relationship and really liked him. So, Sam, Sam was that one. And I know Coach uh, Fessy. He was there recruiting me uh, in high school, and I mean, I was in their backyard pretty much. So I, I was around a lot. So, I'm excited to be home and kind of get back into a groove. <laughs> You know, we have talked a lot about the number of high-level Utah high school uh, players who have left the state, and whether it's Oregon or Washington or USC or Stanford, in some cases Alabama and LSU, you were one of the guys who felt the pull to go out of state and, and, and prove yourself and show what you can do. What, what is that? Uh, you've kind of gone into why it's not so important to use so much anymore, but, but what is it that 17- and 18-year-olds want to do that? Um, I think for me, growing, uh, like living in Vegas and then growing up in Utah, I was, I'd seen a different lifestyle, and I, th- I felt like I wanted to get away from home to grow up and kind of be on my own and experience, I guess, college in a different way. But <laughs> I, I'm glad I was able to achieve that. But there's nothing like being home and family. There's always being able to, like the experience and the relationships I made out here in Seattle will last me a lifetime, and I'm forever grateful for them. But I'm excited to be home and spend time with my family and just to be home. There's nothing like home for sure. <laughs> uh, do you know, will you be eligible next season or are you going to have to redshirt? Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that as of right now. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So it doesn't matter to you, though, all the other things, the poll, if, if you end up, I'm sure you'd rather not redshirt, but if you end up having a redshirt, you're good with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's definitely not the plan, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be home, so I, I'm excited for the future, and I just can't wait. <laughs> I'm ready to, I'm ready to come home for sure. <laughs> Do you know the quarterbacks at all that you'll uh, that are competing for BYU's job right now? Um, a little bit. I know, I know J- uh, Jared and uh, Jacob. 
I played it with Jacob Conover and the Pondies and Bo together, and we actually played some basketball when I was back home early in January. But uh, those are the two quarterbacks I know, and I know they got a, the the Romney brother competing as well. So I know spring ball is pretty intense right now for them. <laughs> so I'm excited to to learn and to watch everybody, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. <laughs> So how have you grown or changed as a receiver over these couple of years? Uh, physically, I, I mean, in high school, I wasn't the biggest lifter. I was really worried more about the field work. I was like, I figured if I could work really hard at the field, even if you could hit me pretty hard, I, I'd manage to work around it. <laughs> but definitely got a lot stronger. Uh, in high school, I was probably around 195 pounds. And I think around last season, I was playing around 210 pounds probably around the biggest I've ever been, but also I felt the strongest and fastest. Um, and I can't thank my position coach out here, Coach Adams, a lot. More on the X's and O's side, just truly understanding defenses, alignments, um, coverages, seeing what – making the defense so much easier for me to understand and to be able to walk out on the field and be prepared and know what the defense is getting ready to give us so I can execute – my game plan and our game plan as effectively as possible. So they're having spring ball now. You obviously aren't going to be there for spring ball. When do you think you will be around the program to work out with the guys, and when will you be officially enrolled in school? Um, I believe the summertime. Yeah, I know, yeah, because they're in spring ball right now, so the summertime would be the most free and – the most grind time, the most exciting time, honestly. <laughs> Just to be around everybody and kind of get back into the groove of playing football and get to know all the guys and stuff and just get to work. I know everybody's excited. And BYU's had this this chip on his shoulder always for a while, but I know last last season kind of put them on the map and let people know that they're ready. They, they really do want it all, and I'm ready to uphold that and to fight with my boys. <laughs> So one thing when you go to a school like Washington, any Pac-12 school, they'll tell you, hey, come here, we're going to do something special, we're going to go to the Rose Bowl, why would you go to BYU? They can't do that. Is there any uh, any part of you that's think, hey, I'm giving this up, or uh, the pull-at-home is so strong you just don't care? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pull-at-home is way is too strong. I, I, I really did enjoy and I was blessed to be out here to be at the University of Washington, but... I'm I'm 100% confident in the, in the power and the skill at BYU to get the job done. And I know, I mean, we played some good teams this year already, so it's going to be interesting to see how. I was excited for people to see what, what what's in store. I'm wondering, as far as Samson uh, going to BYU, was it a package deal, meaning that if you decided to stay at Washington, he still would have gone to BYU? Or if he would have gone someplace else, you would have still decided to go to BYU. Was that the situation, or was it all or nothing as far as that goes? Um, yeah, we we were kind of coming in as a package deal. Like I said before, I mean, I, I went the opposite way in high school of playing with him. So when he got in the portal and we started talking, I mean, I knew that stuff like this doesn't always happen so I knew I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to play with him again so I think the the, the plan was for sure for us to go together wherever we were going to go okay okay so the portal is a relatively new thing there's a lot of stuff uh you know PK and I can kind of figure out how it's going to work because we've seen it work before I'm curious when you go into the portal 
Do you not go in until you pretty well know how things are going to work out? Or did you go into the portal holding your breath thinking, I'm kind of burning this bridge behind me with Washington. I'm not sure what's out there, but I'm going to roll the dice. How was that? Um, well, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit of both, honestly. It was, it's kind of scary. And then, um, and then when I got into the portal, um, thinking of the schools that I had in mind, just wondering if they're available or what is their what are their scholarships looking like or the receiver room as well and then also like more schools than I I thought would honestly hit me up uh, contacted me and then it, it shifted my mind a little bit but uh, I, I mean after being able to talk with my family and uh, some of these coaches that I felt right, I felt right with my decision. <laughs> So you talk about your family, and obviously you got a close-knit family. One of those family members is an older brother, Kai, who's in the NFL, obviously played at BYU. How much did you seek counsel from him? Um, a lot, honestly. He was probably one of our main calls. <laughs> uh, just going through the process that he has in the NFL and obviously going to BYU, uh, he just wants us to succeed and to be able to be part of the journey that he's been on and going to the NFL and it's always, I mean, it's a blessing to have that perspective and those eyes and ears around us. So it was, I'm grateful for him and the brother and the leadership he shows us. But yeah, he he was a big part of it. And I know he's probably excited, but I was maybe, I was letting him know that they're not about to retire that 12 because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the deal, huh? You got to have the 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm curious. You said some other schools hit you up. How many schools hit you up, and uh, how big time were they? Who who was after you? Um, I would probably, I think I had around 15 or 20 schools. Um, schools from the Big 12, uh, Penn State. I mean, most of the schools in the Pac-12. Um, some smaller schools, everybody's always kind of wonder if it's like about grades. <laughs> Some smaller schools like Louisiana, like Lafayette, were like, are your grades good? Like, can we get you here? Some stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of schools, a lot of smaller schools, but some schools out on the East Coast that, I mean, I didn't, I'd never even come to, in contact with in high school. Well, Puka, you got a lot of BYU fans excited, that is for sure. And now they can't wait to hear, uh, you know, if you're redshirting, if you're going to be eligible right away. So uh, as soon as you know, let us know, because, you know, we hung out with you backstage, dude. (laughs) I will do. (laughs) All right. Puka, it's good to hear from you, and uh, we're excited to see what you can do. As always, we were watching you, Washington, too, so we were excited to see what you do wherever you were. But uh, it always means a little more when you're a little closer to home. Puka, thanks a lot. We appreciate a few minutes. Yep, you guys have a good one. All right, you too. Puka Nakua, BYU transfer wide receiver from the University of Washington. It sounds like there's still a few details to iron out there, uh, but how many times did he say he can't wait to be home, PK? (laughs) Yeah, probably about 10. Right. If he came in the middle of the interview, he made it clear he's happy to be home. So Good for him. All right, we are out of time. Thanks to Puka for coming on. Thanks to Mark Madsen and Randy Ray, who joined us in the 8 o'clock hour to talk college hoops and March Madness. We'll see you tomorrow from 6 to 10. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. Stay with us.